It's Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com is the place to go for interaction. There are a, a number of things you can do through our website and to our website. You actually get to control the content. So if you find something online you think is interesting, you just submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com. Then appears on the upcoming stories page where it must acquire a certain number of votes in order to be promoted, as it's called, to the front page of the site. So you can go to freetalklive.com. And you can and do stuff to the website. You absolutely can. You can put whatever you want up there, whatever interesting things you find online. Could be fun, could be serious, news, video, whatever. You post it and uh, add a little description, and then others vote on it. And the most voted up will make it to the front page of the site. So go to freetalklive.com, get interactive uh, with that. By the way... Uh, we did this Twitter thing last night. We'll talk more about it later on tonight. It was, I would say it was pretty successful, and uh, that's kind of exciting, so we'll, uh, we'll get to that here. But first, to the news. Nanny, you've got a story out of Mexico. I do. Uh, about a father and the war on drugs. Yes. Javier Cecilia is one of Mexico's most highly regarded poets and leader of the movement for peace with justice and dignity. His son, Juan Francisco, was murdered last year near his hometown, and the movement's caravan for peace crossed the border at San Diego on August 12th and will arrive in Washington September 10th. So this cool. is a little dated. I mean, not cool that his son was murdered, but cool. Yes, yeah. right. And I, I wonder about this uh, most respected poets uh, title. I'm just wondering, can anyone list three Ameri- living American poets? Not on this show. I, don't <laughs> just, I wonder, you know, I, I don't know I, if we're cultured enough. Maybe, uh, you know, Mexico respects its poets more. I'm just. You know, I think that poetry in the United States has basically been reduced to hip hop. Well, uh, I don't. I think that's going a little far. There are probably some people out there that are fans of poets and and could name probably some poets. Some, uh, just I don't know any of them, but I wouldn't necessarily know if somebody was a fan of poetry because it's All not I can really think something you wear on your sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. You just kind of you're into it if you're into it, right? I guess you yeah. don't go to. I suppose you could go to poetry readings, but. I mean, maybe poetry is like akin poetry. to opera as far as its uh, popularity these days. I I think that the slam poetry has brought it back a little bit. Um, maybe I'm what slam right poetry is that like an open mic night for poetry or something? Yeah, it's or? beatnik stuff. You I know, see. smoky. smoky you have rooms. to wear a beret, I think. Yeah, <laughs> something something to that effect. But all I can name is Maya D'Angelo, if I even have her name right. Okay, there you go. Maya That's Angelo. one. Maya Angelou. Yeah, my, whatever. Good call. Yeah. I couldn't even do that. That's off the top what I got. That's all I got. Yeah, I'm looking at poet laureates. So we do have living poets in yeah, the U.S. I'm I sure just they can't do. name them. I'm just wondering how valuable of a title it is. You know, what I mean? it, it may be culturally more more important in Mexico. I don't know. It may be. I I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. I I'm just you know just my thought. So he's he's literate. Congrats. <laughs> Can, he can use the language. So he says, why was my son murdered? He was 24 and never tried drugs. He didn't even smoke. He had paid half his university costs with a sports scholarship and was working in a, as an administrative staff at a cardiac clinic. Why then was my son suffocated by hitmen from the Gulf cartel? Why did his six friends just like him die at his side? The answer you may Jeez. tell me is obvious because drug traffickers are bad and must be stopped. The answer, however, is not that simple. If it were, I would not be leading a caravan for peace across the United States. Let's pose the question differently. If Mexico's President Felipe Calderon had Calderon, is it own? Calderon. 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 
I am not trolling ours, Mark. (laughs) Treated drug abuse as a question of public health rather than a matter of national security. Might my son and his friends still be alive today? If instead of declaring war on drug trafficking, Calderon had pursued yes, a bilateral... Yes, the answer is yes, yes. Your son would be alive today. Yes. If it weren't for the war on drugs. And not just your son, but many police officers and other innocent people who've never harmed another human being uh, would be alive today. And then on top of that, because a lot of people have been killed in this insane war on drugs, and then on top of that... Uh, all of the folks who have been put in jail cells and had their lives ruined would probably be in better shape uh, yeah. today. It's, the St. Valentine's Day massacre was a massacre that occurred during Prohibition. It was a, a terrible event where one gang uh, you know, basically tricked another gang and they dressed up as cops and they lined them up on a wall and they mm. shot them with machine guns, shot them up. Now, that kind of massacre, the terrible thing that happened in Chicago, was enough to snap a nation into uh, sobriety about this uh, issue of drinking. It's a little play on words there. And whereas all the murders and all the executions and all the horrifying things that go on in prohibition of marijuana and other drugs, that can't, you know, nothing seems to, to, to snap Americans out of it at this point. Yeah. They just don't get it. I'm telling drugs you, drugs are bad. Drugs right. are bad. Look, alcohol's bad. If you, I mean, you know, what's what's the value of alcohol? Alcohol's bad, but there's alcohol prohibition was horrifying. On that topic, and uh, ineffective ultimately. On the topic of so-called drugs versus alcohol, where alcohol is just kind of in a separate category, as though mm-hmm. it's not a drug. Uh, Cop block has been out on the streets in Keene over the last several weeks, and we've been doing it on a regular basis. Just posted a video where we busted some undercover agents actually over at freekeen.com. So if you want to see that, it's actually pretty entertaining. But that very same night, right before we busted the undercovers, there was an interview going on where we'd responded. Because usually what the cops are doing around here, Keene's a college town. Usually the cops are breaking up parties. Pretty much what they do. Kids hanging out in the street, move along, that sort of thing. So the cops had come to move some kids along from, uh, or some college students along from being in the streets, and we had shown up because we we're you know monitoring uh, what they do and then kind of showing up, watching the watchers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there were a couple of uh, college girls who were pretty drunk, like visibly drunk, slurring speech, that kind of drunk, and they were of the opinion that drugs are bad. And they were more than happy to talk on camera about this. I don't think that video has been released yet, but uh, but it probably will be shortly, uh, where they essentially made the uh, the case that, well, they know that drugs are bad because they've used drugs in the past, or at least one of them had used drugs, but she's beaten the, the drugs. And uh, <laughs> no. even though she's drunk tonight, uh, she's not on drugs. And drinking's different. Uh, alcohol is okay. It's cocaine and those other things that are the bad drugs. And uh, they didn't really want to hear it that uh, alcohol is a very hard drug and very dangerous. Uh, they really weren't interested in you know that side of things. And I kind of paid attention to other other things at that point, which is why I noticed the undercover car passing by and I ended up chasing them down. But uh, it was certainly interesting to uh, to see what the drunk's opinion is about those other drugs. And that is that oh yeah, I'm fine with what I do. <laughs> Alcohol's fine. Government says it's okay, so it must be. Yep. Now, do they specifically talk about marijuana at all? They seemed more friendly toward uh, marijuana, but they definitely weren't. Uh, they were definitely in favor of alcohol. Marijuana's the layup, yeah. uh, as far as this goes. I mean, I just can't imagine that most Americans under the age of fifty-five think that marijuana is bad enough to, you know, be illegal. I think they thought it was worse than alcohol, but I can't. I don't recall for sure what 
It doesn't sound like their opinion was worth listening to, but it might be entertaining enough that uh, some people will watch it. It might very well be. So anyway, if you want to see us bust the undercover agents, uh, go to freekeen.com. Nice, nice. So continuing on, if instead of declaring war on drug trafficking, Calderon had pursued a bilateral agenda with the U.S. to decriminalize drugs and regulate their use, is it possible that they and tens of thousands of other young people killed in the last six years would still be with us? Yeah. Declaring a war obliges one's enemy to build up defensive armies. And if the principal tactic of that war is identifying and taking out crime syndicate leaders, it leaves their decapitated but ever profitable organizations adrift. President Calderon went on the offensive against cartel capos. The result was a proliferation of criminal gangs. His son, Juan Francisco, and his friends were kidnapped, tortured, and killed by one of those new splinter gangs who did the hit for just $25,000 in two pickup trucks. Why? Wow. Why? One of the young men killed with my son had complained about a theft in the valet parking of a bar that turned out to be managed by one of the criminal gangs untethered after drug lord Beltran Leva was killed and his lieutenant scattered. Commandant H, a former Beltran Leva confidant, was recently apprehended by authorities telling his captors, quote, I was quite outraged when they murdered Cecilia's son and his friends. Murdering innocent people is not our business. Our business is drugs. But I was fleeing and I could not do anything. So basically, because they even broke up the drug gang is why his son was murdered, mm-hmm. allegedly, because then the uh, the other guys went crazy without having their organization together. Yeah, it's, this is incredibly well written. There's more coming up here at 855-453. War on Drugs, your thoughts are well. Welcome. You can also bring up anything that's on your mind. 1-855-450-3733. Or you talk about alcohol, too. It's Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. 855-453 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. What is SACL CAI? SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. You can uh, go to see their website at uh, freetalklive.com. You can click on the banner that's on the top of the right-hand side of the page. They've uh, been on that, in that position for a very long time, SACL CAI, and the uh, principal over there, Jason Osborne, big supporters of Free Talk Live. All right, so of course we will take your calls about whatever you want at 855-450-FREE. We've been talking about a letter uh, from the father of a son who died in the war on drugs. Yes. Not by his choice. No. Uh, he was, was it kidnapped and murdered? Kidnapped and murdered. Yeah, by uh, some drug gang, former drug gang members who had, what, gone and done their own thing after their gang boss got killed That's by right. the police? That's right. And one of this, um, this, this kid's is friends. This So this is his, he and six of his friends were kidnapped and murdered. Just because they were, his friends were kidnapped just because they were there? One, kind of, of one of the friends had complained about... Um, Something at a bar that was run by, it was the valet parking at a bar that was run by the head of the, the new criminal gang. Mm-hmm. And so he took a hit out on him. 25 grand and two pickup trucks. Killed seven people. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
So he continues on. He says, the horrific story of my son and his friends is one of thousands like it in our country. More than 60,000 people have been killed and 20,000 have disappeared because of the myopic war strategy Felipe Calderon and the Mexican security forces have pursued. 60,000 people. That's that's Vietnam. I mean, that's how many, uh, you know, U.S. troops died. Was it 58,000 in Vietnam? He says uh, some murder estimates are even higher. So that is why I stopped writing poetry and took to the streets with thousands of other grieving Mexicans to make my son and other victims like him visible. Now I'm traveling across the United States with members of dozens of families broken by violence to seek common cause with Americans whose communities, especially the African-American and Latino communities, who have so warmly hosted us that have been battered by the violence and the criminalization that the same counterproductive war inflicts on the U.S. side of the border. You know what I'd like to know from anybody out there who is a drug warrior, somebody who supports the war on drugs, so-called war on drugs and prohibition. How many people are you willing to kill? Like, if there were a magic number, because obviously they're not gone. Drugs aren't gone. All these people have died. They're not gone. They're still coming into the U.S. They're still being manufactured in the U.S. They're still being used by people all over this, this country and around the world. So if you could choose a number, because obviously you want drugs to go away, right? Your goal as a drug warrior is to get drugs gone to make it so nobody can use drugs anymore nobody wants to use drugs nobody is using drugs this is the the vision right. of the the drug warrior well go ahead if you could slaughter uh, a certain number of people to make that happen to where if you killed enough folks that the the war on drugs would be over and drugs would be gone what number would it be because you know we're up to 60,000 yep. here maybe uh, maybe even more is it a million people 2 million what's what's the appropriate number worldwide let's do a worldwide uh, slaughter of uh, of people how many lives must be taken before uh, you think this will be over? I don't think jailed. I don't think it's an entirely fair question because uh, first off, um, they don't th- consider drug dealers to be or drug users to be quite human. They're not mm-hmm. as good as everybody else. So I guess they've never had a loved extent, one using drugs. Probably to some extent, you would have to say the statement: How many police officers or how many innocent victims would you would be a you know is a number that you're willing to accept in order to continue the war on drugs? Um, because those are the people that they're more likely to care about, police officers and innocent victims. But also, well, that was alcohol. I get what you're saying, but I really wanted to know, like, how many drug drug users or whatever they want to slaughter. I, I mean, specifically, that's what you're advocating. You're, I mean, you're advocating hurting peaceful people. So why don't you just come right out and say, I'm I'm willing to kill 2.4 million human beings uh, to uh, to end the war on drugs. Drug users generally aren't dying at nearly the rate as drug dealers are dying, and people involved in the drug trade are dying, especially in foreign countries. Um, those you know people that are getting the drugs here to the United States. Those are the people that are really being slaughtered, um, mm. in, you know, down in, in Central America. But the you know, and I don't know what the number of people were dying from alcohol-related deaths during Prohibition, but alcohol-related deaths haven't stopped simply because alcohol has is no longer prohibited in the same fashion as it was during Prohibition. So. I mean, the simple don't don't believe, Ian, that drug related deaths are somehow going to be reduced to zero simply when prohibition occurs. Drug users are going to continue to die from their use of drugs. Did I say that they wouldn't? You said how many people were you willing to sacrifice? That's what I mean. How many people the drug warriors are willing to kill physically? But those people are going to die anyway. And they're not willing to kill anybody. This kid wouldn't have died anyway. 
That kid is not, not a talking drug- about. I'm not talking about whether they die naturally or not. I just talk. I'm talking about let's let's pick a body count. Uh, how many human lives are you willing to lose over this war on drugs? That's but all that's I'm asking. Point I'm Simple ask- question. The point I'm telling you is is that human lives are going to be lost anyway, whether right. or not you eliminate prohibition. Human oh, lives yeah, sure, will be sure. lost as a not result as many, of drug use. But statistically, we can certainly talk about. We know that, that in Portugal, but, uh, their usage, the addicts, uh, the number has has about halved. I think it was like forty percent. It was down forty percent over after the first decade after they decriminalized all uh, drug usage there. All you know, small amounts, small possession, possession, small, small amounts, amounts of possession, uh, and the use thereof. So we know that the, the number of addicts goes down in a more legal uh, scenario. But that wasn't the point. My point was that uh, these drug warriors, you know, they're warriors. They're obviously willing to kill over their war. They're obviously willing to have people die because it's a war. That's what you do in war. You they're kill not people. Warriors. And so, well, that's what they fancy themselves as. They're drug warriors. They're in a drug war, right? They're just so, people at, on the home front advocating for the soldiers. That's what I'm the saying. The warriors well, are the cops. Well, and the cops are taking the payoffs. They consider the danger of prosecuting the br- drug war to be worth the large paychecks in the short period of time they have to work they can retire after 20 years they're taking the money they're yeah, i don't disagree i don't disagree with the word you're saying it was just a question about you know how many people do you want to kill uh, to end the war under like to stop all drug use this fantasy this ridiculous it's fantasy to declare a victory right it was it was ridiculous fantasy from the beginning my question was not i'm not under some ridiculous delusion that drug use will ever stop in this country so my question was just about you know how many is, 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 is enough? How many lives are you willing to see ended to reach this unattainable fantasy of a world with no drugs? Because I don't know what we're up to right now. I mean, that's 60,000 over what period no. of time in Mexico? It doesn't say. We don't know. And it certainly doesn't calculate all of the, the lives lost here in the U.S. and all around the world. I mean, it's probably a million lives. You know, it's it's probably half a million to a million lives that have absolutely been destroyed as a result of the the war on drugs, and it's probably several million that have been in, uh, arrested and and had their lives torn apart. And these drug warriors, they just don't care. They don't have compassion because you're right, Mark. They don't see drug users as uh, as fully human, which I think is tragic. And I think it really for for somebody to come from that perspective must mean that they haven't had anybody they know or care about in any way, shape, or form ever have problems with drugs. And which seems unbelievable to me because so many people have, you know, usually had somebody in the family. Somebody has had some kind of a drug addiction or some problem. It seems so common that uh, that people must experience that. If, if it happens to a loved one and you're a drug warrior, does that mean that all of a sudden your uncle or your brother or your, you know, your wife or whoever it is is not a human anymore? Is that do you all of a sudden they stop be caring? They should be them? threatened with death. Right. Do, do you all of a sudden just not care about that person anymore because they're, well, now they're a drug addict. I don't love them anymore. What? I mean, who could, you want to see them go to jail? You think that's going to help them? 855-450-FREE, or in this case, collateral damage. This guy that's was right. just hanging out with somebody who complained about a drug uh, drug gang run bar. Right. And they iced him. 855-450-FREE. There's more from his father. There's more from his father. Yep. Okay, 855-450-FREE. Your thoughts are welcome. It's Free Talk Live. Technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. 
is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. You can grab archives uh, they are there, and they're totally free. Just click and download. You don't have to jump through any hoops to find them. You don't have to, you know, you're not forced to watch advertising or anything like that. You just go and uh, click, and they're yours. Freetalklive.com, and they go back for years worth. In fact, if you go to the SoundCloud page on the left-hand side uh, under Listen and Share, just click uh, click SoundCloud, and uh, and then you'll find access to a bunch of the shows, and you just click the Share button on the ones that you like. Share them on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or wherever it is you like to hang out. Online Once again, that's freetalklive.com. I want to read an excerpt from an article from uh, PCWorld.com talking about Bitcoins. Uh, BitPay, that bit, bit, BitPay.com, their 1,000th 1, mercher. God. Mercher. <laughs> BitPay.com's 1,000th. I'm changing a little bit of the, uh, the, the verbiage here in order to make it clear because it's an, an excerpt. BitPay.com's 1,000th merchant is Bitcoin Store, an electronics dealer based in San Jose, California, that will soon open its website for business and only accept Bitcoins. Uh, wow. Yep. Galipi, which is the owner of uh, BitPay.com, says BitPay is also in early discussions with three of the top 25 websites ranked, ranked by Alexa, which are testing BitPay's system, he said. What that means is that three of the top 25 websites in the world... Those are pretty big websites, whatever they are. Yeah, for sure. Are going to be accepting bitcoins in the relatively near future? If Is this everything a maybe goes, they will, or they're definitely they are going to. testing in the very near future? If things go well, I uh-huh. had not yet finished my statement. If things go well in the testing phase, they're going to be accepting bitcoins. Why wouldn't they accept bitcoins? For one, they you know they'll take all kinds of currencies at uh, stores, so why not take bitcoins? Mm-hmm. And if things go well, and BitPay.com has a thousand customers at this point, so chances are good they're going to go well because they've been going well for a thousand customers. So this is my insider trading information to my listeners who have been on the fence about purchasing bitcoins up to this point. Hmm. If three major, uh, you know, online websites are going to be taking bitcoins in the near future, do you think that that means that bitcoins value will go down? Go up or stay the same. Hmm. If you believe they're going to go up, like I do, then you should get some Bitcoins. And you should at least find out what Bitcoins are. Bitcoins, yeah, for sure. you can go to weusecoins.org. That is a, uh, a website where you can start finding out about Bitcoins. And if you want to get your Bitcoins, you can go to bitinstant.com. I'll tell you a bit a little bit more about that later. Yes, indeed. 855-450-FREE to the phones and your thoughts. Uh, there is more, by the way, from this letter from a father about his murdered That's son right. yeah. uh, down in Mexico regarding the war on drugs. But let's go to Tyler, who is listening in Ohio. Tyler, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nemi, and Mark. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, Tyler. Go ahead with your thoughts. Um, this, the war on drugs, I mean, everybody, I'm pretty sure most people can agree that it's just it makes no sense that everybody just gets the state of mind. All drugs are bad, you know. Alcohol is legal, you know. But the government says it's okay, so we should be able to do it. Is it My most people that actually, agree, though? I mean, I know that most people I know agree, but I don't know most people, so I don't yeah, know if uh, most people. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'll say most people I know agree. Because I know there are marijuana smokers who think that marijuana should be legalized, but not those other drugs. So, like, even within the the group of people that you would expect would be more open-minded to this particular subject, you find a surprising amount of folks that just aren't. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if most people just, I'm sorry to harp on you on this, but if most people wanted this or agreed with this, maybe we'd see more action on the uh, the, the front of changing the, the we're, laws. We're seeing action in the area of marijuana. I think that, I mean, we're moving towards the world where marijuana most, is liable to be legal or more decriminalized than it is currently. And polls show that most people, at least in the younger demographics, do favor uh, decriminalization of marijuana. So that much we know is true, if the polls should be believed. So I think that we're moving yeah, that direction, yeah, yeah. but these rest of the drugs, I'm not sure of. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Tyler. Uh, my, my girlfriend actually was, uh, we've, we've been together for quite a few, quite a long time, you know, two years. The only problem we've ever had is my, my mar- marijuana use. I mean, but we could keep a full, you know, fridge of alcohol all day because her parents, her parents do that. So she sees it as, you know, this mm. thing where it's, it's no big deal no big deal, but I asked her all the time, would you rather me get smashed drunk and have to stay at home all day, or I could smoke a little bit of pot, and if we need something, go to the store and get it without any problems. She finally let me, you know, gave me the go-card, and I did it, and she found out it really doesn't affect her in any way. I have no idea why she was uh, acting that way about it in the first place, but yeah, I just think it's a, a lot of people just see, the government says alcohol is okay, so yeah, we should just we should just listen to them and let them tell us what we can and can't do all the time. So, right, because they're wait, only concerned for your best interest, wait, of course. <clears throat> excuse me. Wait a second. She doesn't know where her opinions came from? Wait, what do you mean? Well, she doesn't know why she doesn't – she thinks marijuana is bad. She doesn't know oh, where – She doesn't She doesn't come out and say that, but I'm, I'm basing it off of what I've seen from her family. Right, I understand. Family understand. loves alcohol and they – Okay, so what my question is, is have you talked with her about where her, her opinions came from? Did they come from her family? Did she, see, did she see a bad drug reaction? Did she see somebody who was addicted to the pot? Hmm. No, she has not seen anyone addicted to the pot. She tried it with me once, actually. She said she didn't like it, and uh. that was... That was it. Some people don't. Um, you know, I'd like to address the issue of driving to the store while uh, having after having smoked marijuana. Now, I the, the statistics out there, there have been tests done, and when it comes down to it, driving while uh, under the influence of marijuana is far less dangerous than driving while under the influence of alcohol, especially a good deal of alcohol. But I don't think that there's a there's a public relations issue that comes to that comes with to with driving while intoxicated and being stoned as intoxicated as as is drinking alcohol. I'd rather drive while stoned than while tired. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Uh, I I, yeah, I get you. Yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, I've been pulled over by police officers, and they half the time they don't even notice. You know what I mean? I mean, alcohol they smell it. You know, or claim to smell it or whatever and you get tested i mean i'm underage it's just as bad i guess according to her if uh the legality issues are a big thing my girlfriend then what what makes uh me underage drinking any better than me smoking a little bit of pot yeah exactly i was uh out doing cop blocking a couple weeks i think it was two weeks ago when uh, one of the officers stopped uh, to chit chat with me because you know i'm friendly with these guys and uh you know somehow alcohol came up you know it's friday night we're 
dealing with drunk kids, that sort of thing. There, boy, there are a lot of drunk uh, college students in Keene. Well, and, it's, it's also the the beginning of yeah. the school year. So yeah, well, no, no, Mark, it's all the time. I, it could very well, well be. I mean, you used to live. It's down less there. during the summertime when they're not here or when <laughs> they come back. It gets, uh, Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Really heavy. And uh, I, I had asked the officer, uh, you know, because he was asking what we were up to, and I asked him what they were up to, and I said, "Well, it looks like you're just breaking up parties." And he says, "Yeah, it's a pretty slow night." And I said, "Well, you know, we somehow got onto the issue of underage drinking." And I asked him if he had drank underage, and he refused to answer the question because obviously well, he did. Uh, duh. <laughs> yeah, I love asking cops uh, if they break the law or if they've broken the law. Right. <laughs> In the past. Anyway, Tyler, thanks for sharing your story. Any other observations? Oh, uh, no, that's it. Thank Appreciate you, the guys. call, man. Eight five five four fifty free. And glad to hear that uh, at least his uh, his girlfriend has has had the opportunity to, I guess, open her mind a little bit towards that particular issue. Challenge her belief set. Yeah, for sure. I kind of feel like uh, police tend to be a little um, less hard on people that are drinking underage than people who have marijuana, simply because in a lot of cases, you know, every, just just about every person has drank underage and therefore has some understanding, whereas not everybody not every has, cop smoked. has smoked pot. Yeah. yeah, I see where you're coming from. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We've got time, plenty of it, for you and your thoughts. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. We'll continue the letter from the father whose son was murdered in the war on drugs. 855-450-FREE. And, of course, you can take control of these airwaves. Tell us your experience, your feelings, your thoughts. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you may bring up anything you want. 855-453, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we give to you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. With you tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Hey, you like the show, you like the free website, you appreciate all the features that we give away there, maybe you want to support Free Talk Live. You can do that by shopping with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. You'll find different links to Amazon there, as well as some other uh, vendors, some other businesses. Uh, but different links to Amazon, Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, and Amazon US. You click it on the right Amazon for you and get your shopping taken care of, and Free Talk Live will get a portion of the purchase price. It's the same great Amazon with the same huge selection, the prices that you're used to. Everything's the same. You're just entering through our portal, so Amazon cuts us a portion of the sale. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. Makes a big difference for us. We're talking about the war on drugs and the innocent people that are having their lives either taken from them or ruined by the war on drugs, and specifically what started this conversation with Nemi you're sharing with us. And by the way, what's the source on this? Uh, this source is CNN. CNN. And a father who uh, in Mexico had his son murdered. He didn't have him murdered, but his son was murdered. It occurred. And uh, he is writing and speaking out about that now That's and right. talking about the insanity of the war on drugs. And so we'll continue that here in a moment. Also going to take your call. Sam's on the line in Oklahoma on the amp lines. Hello, Sam. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey, great. What's on your mind tonight? 
Well, um, I know you guys were talking about the uh, the drug war, and um, I kind of want to call in and talk about the fact that I I was I used to be one of those people who um, was vehemently against it because mm. I uh, I saw family members and so on who had kind of um, had their lives quote unquote destroyed by it, and I yep. think I think that the I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just saying, yes, drugs hurt people. I mean, there's no doubt. Alcohol does, too. Did you feel, I know you're going to go on, but did you feel that your family members had become less than human at that time? Were you one of those drug warriors? No, no. It was more, I mean, I had a a family member who had been arrested a couple times, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was kind of from a, I felt felt bad. I'm I'm wanting to go into the medical field, and so it's kind of more from a point of I wanted to help them. Right. Usually, the and other, the typical viewpoint isn't that they're not human. The typical viewpoint is that drugs ruined the person's life; that it was, you know, it's all the drugs' fault. Right. Well, and I think what kind of affirmed that to me was, you know, going through high school and college. The people that I knew, you know, particularly smoked marijuana, were the ones who had kind of gotten apathetic, your kind of typical, you know, pothead or stop mm-hmm. going to class, that kind of thing. And so when I saw that, I associated, I mean, I thought, wow, I don't want that to happen to me. Whenever people offered, you know, hey, you want to come smoke with us or whatever, right. I'd always turn it down because I was like, no, I have ambition in life and I don't want to do that. And what really changed it for me was when I, um, I spent six months um, studying abroad in the Netherlands. And um, when I got there, obviously a lot of people were there. I didn't go there because of the marijuana at all. I, I was interested in the culture and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, to go there and um, met all these people who, you know, were productive members of society, went to class, held, you know, held down jobs, were were great people, and would go and smoke pot, you know, like, you know, after classes or whatever like that, but would still get up in the morning and be productive. And it really, I was, I was shocked because I'd always been taught growing up and, you know, through my own personal experience and seeing, okay, well, if you smoke pot, then you give up on life. Who taught and, you that? Well, I mean, Dare just, class. just through kind yeah. of like, it's, well, it's I'm asking I mean, him, guys. I'm not asking you. I'm asking the. I'm, I'm asking guessing. Sam. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know that like in, I had dare in school. But right, and doesn't that plant the idea? Like dare class plants the idea of the shiftless loser drug user, and that this is what drug users are. And then, of course, right. that's what you see, right? Because you 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 know what like the stuff that you see in life that you observe, like when you see a new car that you think is really neat, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Uh, but or whatever you you something comes into your consciousness yes. and then you become aware right. of it so dare plants that idea that drug users are these shiftless losers and they're bums and they're dangerous and uh, and then you know you see that happening and it confirms your belief system then all of a sudden you move to the netherlands and oh wow you see other drug users yeah but i mean you know, often what you'll find i mean if 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 one has done both of these things smoked marijuana and drank alcohol chances are good that it doesn't take too many nights of drinking too much alcohol that you realize and and nights smoking marijuana that you realize that i don't care rarely does it matter how much marijuana you have smoked the night before you don't have much if any sort of after effect the next day sure but tyler hadn't he hadn't uh, sam rather hadn't smoked yeah but but i'm just i'm you know i'm making the point for everybody listening sure. the you know versus alcohol where it makes a big difference how much alcohol you had the night before i mean you know you're you're, you're oh, stuck yeah. on the, the couch the whole day puking up black stuff i mean you know I had that's to get a, a suppository what have you been once? drinking it, 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 oh it was god. a bad night <laughs> i don't know what to tell you man oh my god anyway go ahead sam well um you know it's exactly like you said and i think you know it was also that 
I mean, I knew people in college who, and I mean, I was one of these people too, who could have a beer after class and, you know, that was fine. But like, I didn't know anyone who would smoke a joint. And I mean, cause the people who are productive, productive like that, I also tend to be the ones who are a little bit more under the radar about sure, it. Right. The people who you know smoke are the ones who, you know, you see in class with red puffy eyes every day. And, you know, and so. Yep, the Rastafarian what, uh, hats. That's yeah. why I love having a guy <laughs> yeah. with a suit show up at a, a marijuana festival or some sort of a cannabis outreach event or, you know, a smoke out. Uh, because I think it's important to break the stereotypes about who uses Definitely. cannabis. So when yeah, did you no, finally I, try I it if you did? Um, well, I was in the, I was in the Netherlands and we'd gone to, um, uh, we went to a coffee shop and, um, uh, my buddies were, were kind of smoking and they offered to me. And so I tried it and I didn't feel anything. And, you know, actually I didn't feel anything like the first two or three times I tried it. And after that, I just stopped accepting it because it you know, that's one thing I really, I mean, I don't know if you can say it's stereotypical to, to the weed culture, but everyone seems to be really friendly and, you know, they all want to share. And so they'd offer me, and I was like, no. I kept turning it down because I wasn't feeling anything, and I didn't want to waste their weed. Yeah, yeah. But eventually I did try it again and got, you know, really stoned and had Certainly. an amazing time. It's amazing. It just and, catches right up. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I had a great time, and, um, you know, it's it's something that, you know, if you use— I, So I you didn't turn into the, a shiftless loser after that? <laughs> No, no. I uh, I came back. I'm I'm working full time and applying to medical school. So I mean, I uh, and it's something I do occasionally. With Bunch my of dopers and... applying to medical school. <laughs> How many people yeah. uh, do you think in medical school have uh, smoked cannabis? Um, quite a bit, actually. I, I find it funny that um, for for almost every other health school they do random drug testing but for medical students they don't test for drugs so i guess they just don't what? want to know <laughs> you got to work on people and <laughs> doctors and radio that's guys great. Right. doctors hey. and radio guys that's great well i really appreciate the story sam was there any other aspect you wanted to share well um i mean not necessarily about the gore i mean i uh I just want to tell you guys, I love the show and in party, I want to kind of get your advice and you guys can answer off the air if you'd like. But, okay. um, um, my girlfriend who I've been dating for quite a while, um, I'm, I'm recently come to the Liberty movement with kind of with Ron Paul mm-hmm. and, um, through listening to his podcast, I introduced to your podcast and I've even come more down the libertarian voluntarist path. Um, and, um, she's pretty fairly liberal. Um, I, I, I speak to her every once in a while on it, and she's against the drug war. And I've, you know, just through talking, she kind of she agrees with, you know, no victim, no crime. But it's I, I and you guys have spoken sometimes about you know how to talk to people about sharing these ideas. And um, I mean, I try, and I know that she's 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 in medical school right now actually, and doesn't have the time to do the research or listen to podcasts like I do, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I don't know if you guys could offer any advice as to, you know, points to bring up. She's, I mean, she's a, a big fan of socialized medicine because oh she wants, she wants everyone, you know, she thinks that it's, you know, kind of a moral obligation to take care of the world and take care of your people. And so she sees the best way to do that is well, have you forcing ever talk- people to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Have you, <laughs> that's right. a great that's, idea. I mean, that's what I would say. Strike at the root. Have you ever talked to her about, uh, you know, force and what government really is? Uh, sometimes, I mean, I, I have brought it up and about how, you know, taxes, you know, are basically a threat 
And, you know, and she made the point of, well, no, they're not. And I was like, well, you know, every everything that the government does has a third of a cage behind it. And, you know, that's a point you guys make a lot. And, you know, after hearing it and actually thinking about it, I came to agree with you. And I think that uh, – so I have brought that up to her, and, you know, she thinks that taxes are a necessary part of, you know, being – living here and all this kind of stuff. And um, Well, you know, I, taxes are fees for the serv- quote-unquote services of the government. And I guess the question is, is you know, in in this world, do we need to have governments that are tied to the land? There was a time in the 17th century when, or actually, you know, even now around the world, but, you know, certainly in the 17th century, I'll use Quakers and Puritans. Puritans would cut the ears off of Quakers and execute them and, and whip them out of town and do all kinds of things because they had a re- different religion inside of a geographic area. Well, do we, do we need to live in a, te- in a in a time period where we have where we can't accept people with different governments inside of a geographic area. Let's come back with further discussion, Sam. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Uh, we'll address this further. Eight five five four fifty three. And would love your input on Sam's question about bringing people on board with these ideas coming from the liberty or the liberal perspective. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyAndHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL, and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program, and we'll take your calls about anything you want. 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hey, join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. You may uh, control the content of the site. Everything on the front page, those numbered items as you look down the page, all submitted by listeners like you. They found something online they thought other listeners would enjoy, they thought we might enjoy. They submitted it as show prep over at freetalklive.com. And then they got enough votes to make it to the front page of the site. So when you go to freetalklive.com, click Upcoming Stories and cast your vote on the – or votes because you can vote up or down on all the items there – on what you like and what you dislike, and, uh, and that's the most important page of the site, the upcoming stories page at freetalklive.com. But you have to have an account, and the accounts are, of course, completely free. So go to freetalklive.com, get interactive. As we go to the phones and to the fun, we're going to continue talking about the war on drugs here because we're actually in the middle of a letter written by – or some sort of a, a piece written by yeah. a, a man who is a, a poet by trade. He is the father of a younger uh, a son who had been murdered in the war on drugs. Uh, well. You said we have to pay the T's here. You said that we were going to talk about um, how to... Oh, thank you. Yeah, we had Sam on the line, too. Yes, that's industry talk, by the way, pay the T's. Um, it means that you're going to do... Why don't you recap do uh, Sam's question? ...what you say you're going to do. Um, 
yeah, the yeah, the question was is that uh, Sam had a girlfriend who uh, you know doesn't doesn't believe like he believes, and as a new convert to uh, the ideas of liberty, he thinks it's very important that uh, his loved ones believe in the ideas of liberty too. And so, you know, he wanted uh, our advice on how to convert her. And yes, does that sound right? I have asked also on uh, Twitter and Facebook for advice, so you're welcome to call in with advice. If you've got suggestions, maybe you once considered yourself a liberal because his girlfriend uh, considers herself a liberal. She's you know very concerned with health, you know, healthcare for everybody and all of that. Uh, so coming from that perspective, what's the best approach? My answer is to show her that we can help people better and you know more effectively and more compassionately through voluntary means than through the use of force, which is, of course, what government is. Government is force. Nothing government does that ostensibly is good at the, uh, the, ba- you know, the end of what they're doing, the, the ends as opposed to the means. Uh, nothing they do that's good is worth the evil that's done as far as how to get there. As far as how to implement that, you know, um, there's there's a bunch of different tactics. The first thing I would say is take it easy because your wife was a liberal. Absolutely. And if you get if you're trying really hard to convert somebody, you've already lost. It shows. And then they have to hold on because they're they're going to lose their persona, Mm, their, their actual psyche if they convert because you want them to convert. A person can only convert to ideas of liberty or ideas of anything in any way if they convert on their own. So take a deep breath and understand that as time goes by, people tend – people, couples, opinions tend to homogenize. If you love this person, you're going to be with them for a long time. You've got plenty of time to you know to help this encourage this gently along and uh you know if no ultimatums none of this if you don't believe what i believe then i can't be with you those things are not helpful no ultimatums never work (laughs) well never work they do work if you want to get rid of the person (laughs) true true, they're very effective in that way (laughs) i recommend uh dr mary ruart's healing our world uh, if not for the other person, uh, maybe you could do a book trade or something like that with that. Well, you know, you should recommend one book to me. I'll recommend one book to you. And we can read them and talk about it. Uh, that's maybe a possibility. But at the very least, read it for yourself if you haven't already, because Dr. Mary Ruart in her book, which is, by the way, available in its 90s edition on her website for free. Uh, plus, if you go to freekeen.com and click the books section, uh, you can get a, a download the audiobook of it for free as well. I would also uh, recommend striking the root. That Is that Lawrence the name Reed. of the book? Yeah. Yep. By who? Lawrence Reed. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I have not read that Pete one. Pete Ayer recommended that to me. You know, if Pete recommends it, I will heartily recommend it without ever having uh, picked it That's up right. because uh, that guy is a great communicator. Uh, so Mary Ruart's book, Healing Our World, one of my favorites. And it's really great because she comes at it from that perspective of compassion. Uh, this is the best book. If you can hand one book to a liberal about liberty, this is the book. I mean, because their whole, the whole book is designed around honoring our neighbor's choice and how that's, you know, that's a really important factor of all this that, you know, we can't have liberty if we're not willing to allow our neighbors to do things that we wouldn't necessarily do to honor their choice and she focuses on that and focuses on you know compassion as uh, as why liberty is the most compassionate viewpoint as opposed to using the government to force some sort of plan on people and uh, make her uh, you know allow her to understand that government is organized crime and one of for me one of the ways to 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 do that to to sort of show that is is to remove it from our current paradigm of this sort of constitutional republic in which we live to just you know well if 
I decided I wanted to do something, you know, I wanted to feed the or you know give poor people medical care in my community, you know, my town or whatever. And I came to people's houses with a gun and took money from them in order to get this done. I'd be a robber, a robber with very strange motives, but a robber nonetheless. Mm-hmm. If I got some friends together, then we'd be a gang. If I got 51% of the people in the town together, we would be a large, angry mob. If those people went to the polls and voted on it, they would be constituents. So because they are willing to put police officers or whomever on the job to do it, then it's government. But if they were to do it themselves, it's an angry mob. So, I mean, this is one way that people can see. Uh, you know, often they'll they'll appeal to order. Well, if we don't have, you know, such and such, it'll be chaos. And, you know, at that point... You start peeling the onion um, of you know what they what they believe, and and this is this happened has happened to everybody who believes in the ideas of liberty. The onion gets peeled. Look, so there are things that you believe that the government has to do, and things that the government doesn't have to do. What are the things the government's doing right now that you believe it doesn't have to do? And that way, everyone will have an answer. You've peeled a whole bunch of the onion off. Uh, good question. Now, <laughs> let's talk about something that they're less. A married to, uh, you know, that's not, say, not medicine in her case, but uh, something else. Roads. You know, whatever. Yeah, what roads. <laughs> Can you imagine a way that maybe people in the free market could put concrete on the ground and have cars driving over it without the government being involved in that particular I arena? Know, that's a tough issue. It it's is never happened issue. historically, right? right? Well, I mean, it absolutely has <laughs> right. it happened historically. It's happening all the time in the United States. The roads are a tough issue, but they're actually one of the easiest ones to point out. Today, currently, businesses are putting down roads and charging money for people to go across them. There are all kinds of different ways that people could put down roads and why reasons why they would and ways that they would pay for them. You know, maybe businesses would want to pay for a section of road and then advertise actually on the concrete. They'd pay for the concrete that goes down there. Maybe businesses would want to pay for a road so people could drive to their business. And on the way, other businesses would build up along the way. And, you know, who knows exactly what would happen. But, I mean, roads are being there's private roads all over the United States um, and, you know, long ones, not just short ones. So there you go. Come from the point of compassion. Any other thoughts you want to add to that discussion? I, I don't have right. anything. No. Let's go to the phone. Speaking of the roads, Mike is on them right now listening to XM Satellite Radio's America's Talk. And uh, this time you're in Tennessee. Hey, Mike. Hi, Ian. I was just thinking about what you guys are talking about. Not And you, do you have any friends that were cigarette smokers and they quit and then all of a sudden they're like, they're so anti-cigarette <laughs> that it's okay. <laughs> And yes, I do have those friends. Actually, everybody have that friend. Um, I mean, now you know these. A lot of times, these people have health problems as a result, um, and also so they don't want to be in rooms with smokers. I kind of feel bad for them in that way. But yeah, the converted person, the reformed smoker, the reformed smoker is the most anti-smoker smoker out there. And I've actually heard, Mike, people that are the 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 wimpy reform smoker which is the person that can't quit on their own so they want the government to stop them from oh, smoking yeah. <laughs> i mean what a wimp yeah i've got uh this is this is my thought here i i'm that person but when it comes to drugs that's the way i am i'm a i'm a a a clean and sober hardcore drug addict and uh this is 
I have no problem with what people want to put into their bodies. And that's, that's, the, that's the way it has to be if I want to be free, right? That is now, true. Well, stand I, by with your thoughts, I, Mike. I want to bring you back here in a moment, all right? We'll uh, be back with Mike, 855-453. would like to see where he's going with this. 1-855-450-3733. You can comment on uh, you know the war on drugs and push pushing people into quitting and or whatever's on your mind. Talk about uh, converting liberals to the ideas of liberty. Whatever you want. Free talk live. Take control. Are you a liberty activist or enthusiast looking to meet others like you? Do you want to advance capitalism, peace, and freedom, but aren't sure how? I'm Amanda Mill, Executive Director of Liberty on the Rocks, encouraging supporters of a free society to host Happy Hour. Activism and education doesn't need to be boring, and you can find free market friends. So start a Liberty on the Rocks network near you and begin connecting and informing libertarian thinkers over drinks. Visit www.libertyontherocks.org. Take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. You may get signed up for various different things, including our news updates, which are arriving via email whenever there's something to announce in your inbox. Uh, or maybe you would like more than just the news about Free Talk Live and you'd like to follow us uh, during the program or outside of show hours sometimes. Uh, there are posts being made on both Twitter and Facebook. It is called Hooting uh, because we use a little program called Hootsuite, which is darn convenient. Now, people have asked, and I will ask too, it's called Hooting because you use Hootsuite, right? Yes. Yes. So if you didn't use Hootsuite, you I wouldn't be I don't hooting? I know what it would be called. That's right. Um, I don't know. The, the, okay, so tweeting is just writing on Twitter, but we are writing on Twitter and Facebook at the same time. So on Facebook, it's called posting. So you need something that is, I mean, I suppose if you're using some other program that wasn't Hootsuite, you could be posting or twisting or something like that, I guess. Sounds painful. But I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're taking some other uh, avian life form rather than uh, a bird that might tweet and, uh, you know, calling it uh, Hootsuite. And, you know, I think that's fine. I'm glad we got that explained. Thank yes. you, guys. And so you can go sign up over at news.freetalklive.com. You can follow us on Twitter and or Facebook uh, if you prefer one or the other. And uh, some people uh, are responsive and they answer questions and put their input in as well. And you're welcome to join us over there. Again, go to news.freetalklive.com. I want to mention, by the way, uh, last night on the show, we tried something new. Again, this is kind of this whole thing is new for uh, for Mark and myself. Uh, this Twitter, Facebook posting regularly on a, you know, consistent, somewhat consistent basis. You know, we're actually posting every single show, uh, usually at least a, a few times during during the program about various topics and uh Maybe some some of the show prep that we're talking about, questions that we want to get answered both on the air and uh, through Facebook and Twitter. And so we tried something new with uh, Twitter last night, which you can't do with Facebook. Uh, the What we tried with, uh, with Twitter was saying, all right, follow us on – or not follow us, but if you are on Facebook – excuse me, if you're on Twitter and you tweet at us, which means putting the at symbol in front of Free Talk Live – then we'll see that because that's what happens when you do the at symbol. The person who you're tweeting at sees it. We'll see that. We'll see you. And then we'll follow you back because on Twitter, it's a big thing to follow people, like to have people follow you and you follow people. And so we have a bunch of followers. And thanks very much for everybody who follows us on Twitter. But we hadn't really 
racked up anybody that we were following. Not very many. Uh, what would we have, like 120 people or something? It wasn't like very many. Yeah, it wasn't very many. So we have added dozens of new followers over the last 24 hours, and we'll keep doing it uh, through the night tonight. In fact, I was thinking of maybe doing like a, a Twitter Thursday thing and just kind of doing it on a weekly basis. Hey, you know, if you're if you're enjoying Free Talk Live, just tweet at us within this you know, 24-hour time period, and we'll follow you back. That way we're not doing it every single day, and that way we can kind of bunch all of it up into one day, because I guess that's a good thing too, right? If a bunch of people tweet about you in a short period of time, it makes you more relevant, I suppose. I guess. In search results. At the very least, it's a good thing for people I, to be mentioning Free Talk Live on their Twitter account. There's all kinds of sort of tracking out there uh, about how people tweeting and, and posting and things about your program, um, you know, or your, your, your business, whatever that might be. And I guess it's the attention that's paid to the form of communication that's so important because there's all kinds of ways that Free Talk Live could be interactive. We could be in our chat room at cam.freetalklive.com or chat.freetalklive.com. I guess it takes you to the same chat room. It's so 90s. and Right, but – Nobody what, cares. Chat is nineties. <laughs> yeah, but you nobody did. cares besides the people in the chat. Nobody. Room. Wow, you just, you just marginalized thirty people. I'm not intending to marginalize <laughs> well, them. I'm only saying that there those, aren't thirty active people in the chat room. There sure are. Really? The people. There sure are. That's awesome. Active. Yes. What's the total number of people in the chat room? That, I'll count and get back to you. All right. You. That's awesome that they're in there. The point I'm trying to make is that they, they don't have a program out there called Clout, which uh, gives you your chat room rating. Um, they, you know, there's uh, Facebook is always giving you, you how many people the chat. Right, how many people are following you? You know, how many how much interactivity? Advertisers aren't trying to buy into our uh, chat room. I mean, there's just you know the, the chat room is the chat room, and it's awesome that people are going in there and it's chatting. It's more private. The chat room. I mean, it's it's still open to the public, but it's more of a in a I guess a, I don't know what the right word is for it. It's not really private, but it's set aside, shall we say? Whereas Twitter and Facebook, they're right out there for everybody to see who wants to see. You have to jump through some hoops to get into uh, to the chat room, and, and I appreciate everybody participating everywhere. Let's go to Mike. He's listening in Tennessee, uh, and he's back on the line here. Now, Mike, you were saying a moment ago. That uh, you are a former drug addict, and uh, you were pointing out how many former drug addicts are vehement advocates for folks to stay off drugs. Go ahead with your thoughts. Okay, and I only said that because that's the way I feel now, but I wanted everybody to know that you're, you're, I think everybody should be able to do what they want to do. It's just my opinion that drugs destroy lives now. Mm. And uh, this is the thing that I'm noticing is that, I, or I, I think that the decriminalization of drugs would do amazing things for the economy. And it would also take the stigma away of a drug abuser as a junkie. And once the perception shifts amongst the public that it, that person that injects heroin or smokes meth or whatever isn't just a junkie, a dirtball, but he's a person that needs help and he's sick with something, an addiction, that's when everything changes, especially when you study things like the, the experiment in Portugal. The amount of people that came down with AIDS, uh, crime, uh and new addictions to drugs all decrease substantially. Sure. Now, if drugs are decriminalized, I think that the, the amount of money spent on rehabilitation and addiction services should be equal in scope to the money that's being spent to house prisoners in jail. I mean, you can't have one without the other. you got to give a man a way to get clean if you're going to have legal drugs in the country. I mean, you got to have help to get clean when you want to. Oh, sure. Don't, There's help out there for people that yeah. actually want help. Don't you think that, uh, you know, charities and, and people, when they when they see the problems, and, um, you know, I mean, I think that they do, when the charities will pick up in this particular area? I, I think that they might. 
just I'd like to relay an experience oh, I have. Well, absolutely they time. will. Hold on. Absolutely I mean, they will. The 12-step because program people, is a charity. Right. Because people care about other people, they will step in to help out. There are already people that are doing this today, as you pointed out with the 12-step program. And, Mike, it'll be people like you, people who've been through this, people who have uh, had this experience and want to help others and want to be there for that, and, and, the, and medical professionals who have also uh, centered on this as well. But go ahead with your experience. Uh, I I was at rock bottom one one day. I, I, my hometown is Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I went to the mental health hospital at 24th Street in Van Buren one day. I was I I had lost so much weight. I looked like Skeletor. I hadn't eaten for Jeez. days. I hadn't showered for a week. And I went in there and I said, "Look, I need help. I don't even care if you lock me up. I need help to beat this drug addiction I have. I'm in trouble." They let me stay in there for eight hours and sleep on a plastic mattress and gave me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then turned me back onto the street Good where Lord. I just went and found more drugs and got high again. Who was and running I mean, this just, Who was running this center? This is the state of Arizona, Department Jeez. of Mental Health. Well, right. So how can the private market be any worse uh, than that? And again, if it's if it's a if it's something that's being run by people who actually care, as opposed to government bureaucrats who, in many cases, don't. They just want a government job with all the government benefits. I'm not saying some of them don't care. Some of them, I'm sure, do. But uh, the incentives aren't the right incentives in those cases. Uh, definitely, there would be private solutions, and it can be started by people like you if they don't exist. And uh, Mike, there's one other thing I wanted to address. So, if you can, you stick with us. Because I was curious about your statement about drugs destroying lives. I, I take issue with that, and uh, I'd like you to clarify it. So stand by. We'll bring more of Mike here in a moment. Do drugs really destroy lives? 855-450-FREE. Seems like they're inanimate objects to me. Personal so I, responsibility. Yeah, more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. We have a lot of features and we give them to you. Uh, they include the Shrine of Female listeners where you can go and see the lady listeners who are listeners of this program and we know it because they've proven it in the photograph uh, or video. It is, as we call it, validated. You can go to Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com and if you are a lady listener, you can get details on how to become part of the Shrine there. Shrine freetalklive.com. In the previous hour, I uh, read a little excerpt from an arg- article from PCWorld.com, and it uh, here I'm going to read it again real quick. It says that uh, BitPay, that's BitPay.com's the 1,000th merchant, is Bitcoin Store, an electronics dealer based in San Jose, California, that will soon open its website for business and only accept Bitcoins. Uh, that's uh, Galipi said, and Galipi. I hope it works out for him. Uh, what the the website? Is it a website or a physical location? It's a website. Okay. 
electronics dealer based in San Jose. So, gotcha. Yeah, as I understand. I believe I know who's opening this store, and I know oh, really? about that store. I may be wrong, but that store is only going to sell ele- electronics, um, specifically like laptops and things like yeah. that, with bitcoins. That's it. You can't buy with cash, uh, that, U.S. dollars. And but you've got to have bitcoins first. You've got to have bitcoins first. But first, let me finish the uh, the yeah. story. Galipi, which is the bitpay.com, uh, the, the owner of that site, is also in early discussions with three of the top 25 websites ranked by Alexa, which are testing BitPay's systems, he said. So they're testing the, – the systems apparently are being tested now by three of the top 25 websites in the world, uh, according to Alexa.com, which is about the only ranking system that there is that I know of, if you know of another – Send the information, you know, tweet us the information, post it on our Facebook or email it to us, whatever. You must be really excited about this. You've told us about that twice now. I, I am excited because I think that it indicates where Bitcoins are going. I think that Bitcoins currently are kind of a commodity because of their future value as a currency. You can use them as a currency today. There's no doubt about it. You can it. go gambling with them right you now. You can go gambling with them right now. You can buy drugs on uh, the Silk Road if that's what you want to do. There's uh, uh, more. Th- there are thousands of websites out there that are accepting Bitcoins as commodities, or excuse me, as a currency, but I think in a lot of ways people are holding them as commodities and trading them as commodities currently. And what this says to me is this commodity is moving upward. These websites are going to be taking Bitcoins because, you know, Bitcoins allow you to send and receive money for free on the internet, and that's really awesome. But if you have to transfer your money into Bitcoins in order to send and receive them free and then transfer them out of Bitcoins in order to use them, then they're not that useful because you're still just paying the fees that you would pay with whatever the banking system is that you send and receive money with. So if you can keep, if you can change your money into Bitcoins, send and receive money freely on the internet, and then spend the bitcoins that you receive and spend and all that stuff without transferring them, then the the usefulness of bitcoins increases exponentially. And therefore the value. And therefore the value. As they get more useful, they're going to get more valuable. I think bitcoins are going to be worth thousands of dollars apiece. That's what I think. You put your money where your mouth is, too. I mean, you've done some investing. Yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I believe it. I'm going to go crazy and talk about my first personal finances here for a minute. I took out a loan for $10,000 on Bitcoins uh, and put them into Bitcoins. I believe that thoroughly. Now, when you took that loan out versus the price now, you could cash in and probably pay that pay that loan back and already have made money, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I can make some money. I, you know, I've made more than $1,000 on my— But you're not in this for the short term. Oh, no. <laughs> I may, if I you know hear enough uh, rumblings from uh, the the the, the um, spousal unit about uh, you know paying back the loan or whatever, I may at some point then take half of them out, pay off the loan after they've doubled in price. Mm. Take half out, pay off the loan, and then keep the others. Yeah. But I kind of like the number that I have of bitcoins. I you know have um, created a significant yes. number for myself, and and that's the number that I like. So I don't right. want to get rid of them. Anyway, if you want to get bitcoins. And I recommend it. BitInstant.com is the way to do it. Go to BitInstant.com. They've got more than 750,000 locations. That means there's one near you. You go to your, you enter in your zip code. You'll find a few locations there. You pick your location. They'll give you a deposit number. You go to that location. You give them the cash at that location with a deposit number. Some locations will ask for information. Some won't. Um, I recommend major banks because they're not asking you for any particular information. And they'll charge a lower rate. But BitInstant.com. Let's go to uh, back to Mike here. And by the way, Libertas Velnex over on Twitter tweets at us, Addiction can destroy lives. 
saying drugs destroy lives is like saying gambling innately destroys families. And that pretty much sums up uh, what I have to think in less than 140 characters. So is Mike, Mike, okay. uh, Mike is back with us on the road uh, in Tennessee. And Mike, you had made the statement that drugs destroy lives. And I disagree. And I wanted you to flesh that out if you don't mind. So tell me more about what you mean by that. All right, I'd like to change my statement because I thought about it during the break and saying that drugs destroy lives is the same thing as saying guns kill people or pencils. There you go. That's right. Well done. Um, I think a more accurate statement would be I and many other people have destroyed their lives through drugs. Yeah, that's the way to own it. That's yeah, right. and some people, um, you know, not just it's not just the people, but I mean, I think that there's, I do think that people, some people are genetically predisposed to being able to handle certain mind-altering sub- substances better than other people, and that's yeah. you know obvious and clear. And the people that can handle it the worst are the ones most likely to do them. It seems. Yeah. Hey, can you guys, uh, can you guys watch the Gray State trailer and comment on it? Gray State trailer. Jeez, I think I did watch the Gray State trailer. What is it, uh, Mark? I, I I'm gonna have. I need help. What is it? I don't oh, know. I'm sorry, it's, it's a trailer for a movie that some some uh, filmmakers are trying to uh, produce and and put out. I, did somebody in the studio there say that they did see it already? No, no, no one has seen this. Uh, but I think uh, I may have seen the trailer, uh, but I. I, I'm blanking on what it was about. Okay, can one of y'all pull that up? Maybe we'll check it out during uh, during a break. And Mike, thanks for the call. Drive safe out there. Oh, Certainly thanks. appreciate hearing from you tonight. Eight five five four fifty free. That's what that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I like that. Mike's on the road. Eight five five four fifty free. Told you an actual here. clip of Mike driving his truck and honking. <laughs> Don't text and drive. So, uh, yeah. So we were talking about uh, you know drugs and uh, the war on drugs as well. And specifically this letter uh, that you were sharing with us, Nemi, yes. that was uh, written by a man who had his son perish in the war on drugs. One of Mexico's his, most highly regarded poets. Not because his son had chosen to perish or had wanted to fight the war on drugs, but because he was hanging around with the wrong guy, apparently. Well, somebody and, who complained yeah, about the wrong guy. complained about a bad treatment at a drug gang run bar they then decided to slaughter the person who was complaining and i guess they decided to also kidnap and slaughter the people that he was hanging out with right at that time so uh, go ahead with the uh, the letter if you've got so the path of peace must be taken by both of our nations in concert that would be the mexico and the united states we know that president calderon would not have declared this war without u.s sponsorship money and military advice yep Drug traffickers would not be able to fight this war without the high-powered assault weapons which, legalized in the United States, now flood over the Mexican border. Now, I'm, I'll, I'll come back to the gun issue. You know, actually, as I understand it, a forty-five is considered a military weapon in Mexico. Hmm. And, like, if you go across the border for whatever reason, you've got a forty-five with you, you got pri- big old prison time. Wow. I did, see, I didn't know that. So drug lords could not afford their wars without massive illegal drug profits and collusion by international banks to launder their money. So true. Profits would be down significantly in a legal market because you wouldn't have to mark up drastically to counter the risk that you're taking. Forty plus years after U.S. President Nixon declared the drug war, it is time to concede it hasn't worked any more than alcohol prohibition worked back in the 1920s. And uh, gun prohibition doesn't work either. And that's that's right. what he didn't. Acknowledge. Yeah. This is why, after traveling in two caravans across Mexico and talking twice with President Calderon on live television, our movement of war victims called for a caravan across the United States. 
We started in San Diego on August 12th, and we will end in Washington, D.C. on September 12th. Oh, that's today. Today. With each mile traveled, we seek to raise awareness and spur the good conscience of the people of the United States while reframing the issues of war and peace on the bilateral agenda of Mexico and the United States. We implore the governments of Mexico and the U.S. to accept co-responsibility for ending the disastrous drug war. The the United States government, at least, I don't know about Mexico's, but I suspect it's on the same uh, wavelength. It's not real good at accepting responsibility for any of its actions. No, no. In fact, uh, Barack Obama isn't even interested in medical marijuana, let alone decriminalizing just marijuana. So uh, it'd be nice if people came to their senses. 855-453. I I don't know what it's going to take. More coming up. You take control. Share with us what you want. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of these airwaves toll-free. 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features waiting for you there. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as $3 per month. You can do that with any major credit card through PayPal or use Visa or MasterCard right on our website over at amp.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll learn more about the program, the perks you get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, amp-only forum, uh, the amp-only podcast, which doesn't have the regular podcast commercials in it. You can go to amp.freetalklive.com. Please get signed up. It makes a big difference for Free Talk Live. It's the reason why we're getting on new radio stations on a monthly basis uh, on this program. I got an agreement in today from a station in California. It'll be our second California station, so that's exciting. And it's a decent-sized market, I would say. So looking forward to announcing that one, which hopefully we'll be able to talk to you about next week. So uh, it's all because of the AMP program. It's all because of the, your AMP dollars coming in and being invested into Free Talk Live and reaching out to new radio stations, doing industry advertising to bring new stations on board and thereby expose the ideas of freedom to more people. Uh, so amp.freetalklive.com is where you can go for that. Now, By the way, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. Uh, Your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime is to get together with others who think as you do. And you can do that over at freestateproject.org. It is a movement of over a 1,000 now people that are here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, which doesn't include Nemi, who was born and raised here. So there's all kinds of other people that are connected to folks that are from the Free State Project that are also liberty-oriented and active. Uh, So it's a a large movement already, and it's going to get bigger because over 12,500 people have pledged to make the move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And we want to reach 20,000. So there is more to come here. And uh, you can be part of it if you go to freestateproject.org. Learn more about it. That's freestateproject.org. And something that's been going on up here in New Hampshire has been voter ID. This has been an issue of some controversy. This is going on across the country. It's a big deal. I don't know if there are that many places where you can walk in not show ID and vote, and this New is, Hampshire is one of those places. Yes, but there are all kinds of voter identification is, um, issues going on across the United States. Oh yeah, they're trying to make it harder in a lot of places to, to it vote. Harder right? in different. Well, they're they're trying to ma- they're trying to keep the integrity of their voting list because Republicans joke. are often very concerned with this uh, particular aspect. And so, that's a joke because uh, there's never integrity with the voting system. It's all if there's if anybody thinks there's integrity with it, they've been fooled. Uh, there are so many holes in the process. The you know voting machines can be rigged. Uh, the electronic ones, the other uh, hand ballots can be you know miscounted and manipulated, and there's all kinds of shenanigans that uh, that can go on. So really, all of these things 
serve to get in the way of people voting, making it more difficult uh, for someone to I don't know if I vote. agree with that. And that's why, you know, and, and New Hampshire is one of the easiest places in which to, to vote. You can walk in to the city clerk's office, yep. not show identification, and get registered to vote. I have done this. So I know it works. Yep. And you actually don't even have to show proof of residency either. You can just go in uh, and tell them you know, that you live at a certain Stagger place. Stagger in, point to a national forest, say, uh, I live there, and you can vote. Yep. And then uh, you can show up at the voting location and just tell them what your name is, and you are allowed to vote. Uh, they are trying to change that. And Nemi, do you it's have changed. That, that story? I, I do. I we just had a primary here yesterday, so we got the first dry run. Now, this was you were not necessarily going to have to provide ID yesterday. Eventually, you will. Um, no, it's not as I understand it. But go ahead and tell me. Tell me more. Well, that that was my understanding was that yesterday was the dry run. Mm. The law is in effect, but you, if you showed up yesterday without an ID, you would be able to vote. And technically, also, my understanding of it is. After um, the primaries, uh, the fall primaries, the presidential, or, sorry, the general election in the fall, um, even still, if you show up without an ID, you will be able to vote. You'll just need to swear out an affidavit, which if they find out, right. uh, you know, you'll have to fill out some sort of identifying paperwork or give And then they of, ostensibly might investigate some of those claims. Right, and make sure that you're eligible to vote. So New Hampshire's new vote. So you can still vote in the future that's without right. ID. That's, that's that was right. My point. No, it goes on to a point. Actually, I took the little piece of paper that they were handing out saying, you know, here's the new rules. They and didn't even it, give that to me. It, well, um, and I didn't vote with an ID. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I got it where I voted in a different place than you did. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's that. And then there's another date in the future where you have to have X forms of ID. Really? One of those. Huh. Because they that, might just, hold, that doesn't match up with my understanding. Right, that it. doesn't match my understanding either. And just because the government writes something on a piece of paper doesn't mean it's true. Okay. So there's no reason why they can't hand you a piece of paper and say, look, uh, Mr. ID. Ed, you have to bring ID next time. It says right here on this piece of paper. Unless you've actually read the statute and you know what that says, they can write, they can write anything they want in that piece of paper. The, right. the, the voter registration forms, for instance are statutorily, you know, they have to have certain things on them. That doesn't mean the city clerk can't put extra fields on and, you know, ask you what your you know, bra size is. They can ask you anything they want uh, on that voter registration form, and they can tell you, yeah, you've got to fill that out, because we said so. That's right. So uh, the source here is the Keen Sentinel, um, and it says New Hampshire's. Or the Slantinel. The Slantinel, that's right. That's right. Voter ID dry run reveals a bevy of potential problems. How could it not? Of course. <laughs> How could it not? New Hampshire's new voter ID law was given a dry run in Tuesday's primary, and clearly plenty of people in the Monadnock region are not happy about it. It was the law's dress rehearsal, the only chance to take it out for a spin before it kicks in for real in the general election November 6th. Judging by local reaction in Tuesday's primary, where voter turnout was light compared to the deluge coming in November, mm-hmm. the heads of poll workers may be spinning by the time polls close on the presidential election. <laughs> Quote, I think I'm already going to be sick that day, said Ethel Gendron, supervisor of the checklist <laughs> in Alstead. The new law was passed by the Republican-dominated New Hampshire legislature last spring and withstood a veto by Governor John Lynch. Wow. Starting November 6th, voter must, voters must present a valid ID before receiving a ballot. 
If they don't, they can still vote as long as they sign an affidavit and later prove their identity. So therefore, the word must does not apply. Right. (laughs) You must. Voters may. But you you could. Poll workers in Keene on Tuesday asked for IDs so they could explain how the new law will work. Most produced driver's licenses, but many voters said they were offended by the law after voting in the same place for years. Mm. This is true. I've been voting in the same place for 15 years now. Right. People probably know you when you walk in. Right. They, oh, they uh, certainly know me. Right, exactly. Oh God, it's him again. It's him. <laughs> Take cover. Some voters were unaware of the new law and didn't bring any ID. Others deliberately refused to I show ID. I deliberately refused. I did I'm, not have... Well, I'm shocked. Did I, I did have it on me. <laughs> I, I'm not shocked Because I had driven there. But uh, yeah, I did not show ID and it was my intention to not. I have never shown ID to vote in New Hampshire. And... Uh, Let's see. All she did was she just she mentioned something about how there was this law and she needed to mark something down. So she made a little check on a little scratch mark on a you know blank sheet of paper where she was obviously marking down the number of people who did not vote. She did not indicate in any way on uh, my name or anything like that. Didn't for, present for ID. Investigation. Not didn't. Oh, sorry, vote. thank you. Right. Didn't present. Uh, didn't present ID. So that's right. all that happened. Right. She so, didn't say anything. Didn't get handed anything. Let me ask you this one, Ian. Um, do you think that in an election? Do you, Do you think that it's important that everybody only vote once? You know, I think that's generally a good idea. Yeah. So, do you think it should be against the law for people to vote more than one time? If uh, you know, if everybody else isn't, it is. I'm asking the question. Yeah, it is against okay. the law. It is against the law. But, I don't think so, that somebody should go to jail. Do you think I mean, I there think should that... be an enforcement mechanism in order to make sure that people only vote one time? I think everything's working fine. I mean, everything's okay. You do know that people do vote more than once, right? Like, that yeah, does happen. Yeah. So, you know, it's just fine with you that some it's just people how it's gonna be, man. marginalize I mean, other people's votes Hey, you can, it works both ways. If you want to, you know, run a scam the other direction, you can do that. Well, so I, what's I have the a scam friend the other who's direction? what do you mean? Well, if one person votes twice, another person can vote twice, and you know, nullify that out. So. Yeah, I don't want to make it my life's goal to cancel out other people's votes that may be multi- voting multiple times. But I think it's important to note that this really requires you to have some sort of. Um, papers please from the government. Sure. There's a friend of mine who doesn't have any ID from the government. Do they vote? No. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the people that I know that that philosophically choose not to have any government paperwork are also people that philosophically choose not Not to to vote. vote. So they're not really disenfranchised. I understand. There has to be somebody out there somewhere. Oh my God. That has, well, I'm just saying, there has to be somebody out there somewhere that doesn't have government papers that does want to vote, and I don't know who they are. Now, I did did actually take this friend to, to vote for Ron Paul in the primary because we we agreed that that was that was Excellent. important okay? okay so he did get to vote but under this new law he would have to somehow sign an affidavit and then come back in and prove how he is and oh, how yeah, do you do tough. that if you don't have government papers I, wait I, he's gonna have to come back in right to prove that's according to this article he will have to sign an affidavit and later prove their identity how do you do that without government papers well, I, that's I, interesting. How does one prove one's identity without government papers? This is a very difficult problem. Nate, New Hampshire has worked fine up until this point. Everything's fine. You know, it's the smallest government of all the 50 governments in the I've state. I've got a story here from one of the supervisors of the checklist I'd like to read. 855-453. Nemi's still in the middle of her piece here. Yeah, we'll I just continue make with that. sure we got it. Hour number three is on the way. <laughs> you can take control of your thoughts on identifying voters and voter fraud or whatever you want to talk about. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keen. 
Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, and we're launching into the third hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves, 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features we give to you. You can create the content as well. So what you see on the front page, there because of listeners like you. They've taken an article or a YouTube video or blog post, something they found online that they think we might like or other listeners might enjoy, and they've submitted it as show prep over at freetalklive.com. Others then vote, and the most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site. Go to freetalklive.com, get interactive. For those of you just tuning in, uh, at the end of the the last hour, we were talking about the uh, issue of voter ID checks and more restrictive voter uh, regulations and uh, identifying requirements that are being instituted in various different ways around the country. Uh, But here in New Hampshire, you know, it's the old uh, the old system for the most part. It's it's the honor system or it's been that way up until a recent law has uh, been passed that will ask voters to show identification and then. Nemi, you said that later on they'll have to come in somewhere and if you and don't sh- have ID improve? with you, it, you'll have to. If you don't have ID with you, starting in November with the general election, if you don't have ID with you, you'll need to go in, fill out an affidavit, and later prove that you are who you say you are. Hmm. Okay. And you said that there was some problems that were cropping up as a result of them testing the system out uh, at yesterday's primary. Yes. And you were sharing some of that some, with us. Some voters were unaware of the new law, didn't bring ID. Others deliberately refused to show ID in protest. They were allowed to vote, but many election workers fear that come November, the system will be severely gummed up with confusion, long lines, and short tempers. Yeah, I bet the Just short like tempers the DMV. will be right there. Yeah. It'll be DMV style. Yep. Secretary of State Bill Gardner predicted that up to 10% of voters statewide wouldn't have IDs. That seemed about right in the Monadnock region, many poll workers said. Still, that translates to thousands of voters without IDs in November. It was certainly at the top of conversations in polling places throughout the Monadnock region. People are talking about it, that's for sure, said Michael Latham, a selectman in Keene's War II at the Keene Rec Center. I've heard Republicans say it's about time, and I've heard Democrats who say it's voter suppression. Mm. You know, it's... It, then I have uh, Liesel, a non, non-traditional non student at Keene State, so I assume that means he's an adult voter, oh, 34 years old. There you go. Yep. Was furious after voting in Ward 1 at 350 Marlboro Street. He said he hasn't missed an election since he <laughs> turned 18. Led by House Speaker Bill O'Brien, Republicans say the law is intended to prevent voter fraud, but Liesel said it's obvious voter suppression is the real intent. It's ludicrous that anyone would use voter fraud as, as an excuse to make voting harder, he said. Incomes are down and people are stressed enough. I will follow the law, but I will fight it because it's unjust. If O'Brien and his ilk, I love that word, ilk, mm-hmm. want to cause people excess anxiety, that's what they've done. Now, I, I don't know if I get that bunged up about voting myself. No, I don't either. But, uh, you know, you change the way things have been for people and they're going to get upset. Yeah. So there's that fact. That much is true. And I understand that if you require anything to vote, 
you're going to find some people who can't produce that thing. If it's you know besides carbon dioxide, um, the one th- you know that's that's the one thing that we can all agree that somebody could probably provide at a at a voting booth. Actually, some of the people that vote can't produce that because they're actually coming in as dead people. But uh, you know they you know, there, there's fraud and then there's people that uh, you know that, that don't have whatever papers that they want them to have. And even if they can produce them some point in the future, they can't vote at this one. So they get a provisional ballot and all these other things come into it. I agree that there's some problems. Problems. But um, uh, Nimi, are you have you got the points of the story here? I'd like to read a story of, from a, a shoot. Go s- for it. Supervisor of the checklist here. Yep. This is uh, from a friend who wrote in, and I haven't uh, gotten her permission to use her name, so I shan't. But she says, "Someone who's in New Hampshire." That's right. I was a supervisor of the checklist when twenty-two wet, bedraggled voters came in to register to vote in Deerfield at six fifty p. The uh, voters, mm. the polls close at seven. Mm-hmm. They signed the affidavit all at once. Yep, they mm-hmm. came together, probably in a bus. Yep, uh, they they saying that they lived in Bear Brook State Park in November. <laughs> Bear sure Brook they did. <laughs> is closed to camping and has no living quarters uh, in November. So we registered them for the presidential election of Bill Clinton, and they voted. As supervisor, I then wrote letters to their former voting sites, Missouri, South Carolina, Virginia, etc., mm-hmm. received letter back that, letters back that no such person on their, um, existed on their lists, but mm. that was not the end. Neither were they the, at, the, um, at their former addresses. Then after the census, when we purged the lists, guess what? Um, guess what? Although we had a, to print their names on our lists for years, causing, of course, extra paperwork and, and work and all that stuff, they hadn't come back to vote again. Just that Ever. once. Yep. So they were purged. Um, then I took it a step further, and it took every card of their registration, letters returned, etc., to the State Committee on Investigation of Voter Fraud, to Senator Clegg's committee, and he yep. asked Bud Fitch, former Attorney General mm-hmm. and now Chief of Staff for Kelly Ayotte, to check out on the cards names the report came back that they could not be found so no way to prosecute i believe there was fraud in deerfield's vote and although by law i was required to register these people they stole from deerfield the integrity of our checklist and this is the thing that never gets reported i mean this is one supervisor of the checklist that went above and beyond Mm -hmm. in order to chase this stuff down this was 22 people that came all in at the last 10 minutes of voting they all got to vote and it all got done and and then, you know, on the the Daily Show, they come and say, well, there have been, you know, this many, uh, you know, instances of voting and voter fraud in America, and they just play it down. I mean, these 22 weren't listed on that list. And how many times does this happen around the country? In New Hampshire specifically, people want to vote in several different wards during these primaries when fewer people turn out in order to get their candidate, you know, more votes. Now, I don't think voting is a statistically significant act, but you So why are you getting so upset about you it? You certainly because it's because it's other people care. It's the principle. And it's wrong to just it's wrong to make something wrong. It's mm-hmm. wrong to make something illegal and then not enforce it. There needs to be some kind of enforcement method. I don't care if it's ink on their fingers. I don't care if it's some kind of re- requirement. I, if you want to, as far as I'm concerned, it makes sense to me that if you want to vote in a government election, that you can produce a government ID card. Now, maybe that's not the right solution. Maybe people should be able to bring in a bill that proves that they live at a particular place. But I think people should prove in some way or another that they're voting one time. I don't care where they vote, frankly. 
although I can see why there might be some issues there, but I think they should only vote one time. And that's it. Now, there's Keene is an interesting city. We have we have two university, well, college and a university yep. here. So we have a lot of lot of students. And uh, Keene, as historically the the blue holdout in New Hampshire, primarily Democrats, and there were there have consistently been issues in Ward One, which is where um, Keene State is located. Mm-hmm. I used to live down there. And uh, folks coming in, showing student IDs. Apparently, student IDs are valid now, but after 2013, they won't be. Um, and just uh, people coming in from Connecticut, New York, out of state, who come to Keene State, come and want to vote, and then go home and vote. And I think I I have an issue with that as, as a resident of Keene, just with the principle of the thing. Someone who voting comes in two here, places? Yeah, voting in two places, or voting where you don't live. Or pay taxes, but or, where does a t- college student live? I mean, if they're they in a place, in if they're in a place for nine months, do they live in Keene or do they live at home? And that was the residency issue. Yeah, it's tough. You know, are you paying tuition? Are you paying an out-of-state tuition? Are you paying an in-state tuition? Because mm-hmm. if you're paying in-state tuition, you've established residency. You've been here for a year. There are rules with financial aid. Then this was all part of Bill O'Brien's big. Well, for voter the most ID. part, you don't have to worry about college students because they don't vote. Mostly. So, I mean, they there's do. a handful of them that do. There's a handful of them that do that are politically active. But most of them, they, they just don't give a flip about voting. They just, you can't twist their arm into voting. You probably sure you can't can. bribe yeah. them into voting. Sure you can. Frankly, if we're talking about somebody voting twice, like a college student would vote in, in where they are and then vote Right, absentee. and this voter law doesn't uh, stop that from happening. Right, and, and, you know, but... The supervisor of the checklist, when you vote in the local election, will send should send right. information to your former voting place that you voted here. And I don't believe they do that. Th- they okay. So you know, as far Can as you I'm imagine concerned, how bureaucratic that would be if you had to send. They do send information to your former location to stop you from being registered there. Do they? That's what they're supposed to do. That's what they did That's to me when I moved. Just, right. When I moved, they did that to read. me. Interesting. And um, yep. I know that they did it when I moved from you know Keene to okay. my town. They did I didn't it. know they were doing that. That's, uh, that's interesting. 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control. Voter ID requirements. What's happening in your state? You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live, and the toll-free number is 855-453. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we give to you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com with you tonight. Ian here. Nemi. And Mark. Uh, freetalklive.com is brought to you by Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can go to victimlesscrimespree.com right now and watch the movie that has now received over 20,000 views on YouTube. We crossed that uh, milestone uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and that's in less than uh, six weeks Less than six weeks uh, from, or around six weeks since the release, which was uh, free online. You can uh, see it in HD on YouTube. You can also download it via torrent. Uh, so that's exciting. VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. It is a movie all about our our co-host and uh, friend Derek J. 
and his first year of activism here in Keene. It's chock full of exciting activism footage. And the critical, it's a critical success, at least if you look at the YouTube uh, like counters. You know, they get the thumbs up and the thumbs down on YouTube. There are over 500 thumbs ups and around 31 thumbs downs. So people are liking the film. And that, uh, I think that bodes well for its future. We've got the premiere coming up here uh, in just a few days. I don't know. Saturday, right? Are you going? Yes. Saturday morning, bright and early in Keene, New Hampshire at the Keene Cinemas. We're going to have a real life premiere of Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. And for those of you who can't make it up, maybe don't live in the New England area or aren't able to make the drive over, we still, you still will have a chance to win the autographed by Derek J poster. (laughs) The exclusive autographed poster. poster. There will only be one. <laughs> Gotta have a movie poster to have a movie. <laughs> so there will it. only be one. Full, you know, full size standard, yeah, two, saw, two foot by three foot. I saw it on Facebook, yeah. Uh, yep. You can see the real thing if you want. We've got them here. Nice. But uh, I only had five of them printed and uh, these are the ones that have on the bottom, they have, you know, premiering at Keen Cinemas. Yeah. These are the premiere uh, movie posters. There are only five in existence. One will be given away in an online raffle, uh, and you may enter. You can go to victimlesscrimespree.com. You scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see the chip in there. Uh, if you chip in five bucks, you get one raffle ticket. If you chip in ten, you get three raffle tickets. If you chip in more than ten, you get three per ten uh, above ten that you that you chip in. So uh, people have been chipping in. There are eleven uh, people that have entered thus far. Some with more than one ticket. And the purpose is is that you're going to have a theatrical premiere. You want to pay for that theatrical premiere. Pay it back essentially. To, we have uh, raised enough to pay for the theater at this point, which is great. Nice. Which I'm very happy about. Now you're paying for what the posters? I'd like to pay for the posters uh, as well. That'd be nice. But uh, basically, we're going to split up the remainder among the staff of the movie because we're not all in this for money. You know, basically, I mean, the the editor got paid a pittance yeah, sure. uh, to to do this film. He is worth way more than uh, than what I paid him. Oh yeah. And uh, so, if I can get them a few extra bucks, then that's what I'd like to do with the extra. So you can go to victimlesscrimespree.com and uh, chip in. And what we, we're calling it sponsoring a seat. So because you can't make it uh, to the premiere, you're sponsoring the seat for somebody else. And uh, once again, victimlesscrimespree.com. Watch the movie. Enjoy it. Share it with your friends. And we'll be announcing some more exciting things about that uh, soon. I'm working on a DVD, but we don't have the de- details nailed down. So I'll let you know more about that as time goes on. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. We're talking about voting and uh, the you know, the issue of showing identification, or worse, in a lot of uh, states, I guess they're getting even more restrictive on voting. And, and we're spoiled here in New Hampshire. You can walk right into the polls with no identification whatsoever and say, I'm so-and-so, and uh, and you can cast a vote. We're, used to be able to do that. Uh, you'll still be able to do that. Uh, they're passing a new law, and... As I understand it, now, Nemi, you had said that if you vote without an ID in New Hampshire, that they'll require you to prove that right. you are who you say you are. You'll have to sign an affidavit. Right. You made it sound earlier, though, like you'd have to come in front of some sort of a panel or something. And that's well, not I apologize for that because it's, it's not exactly clear the, the wording it in, in the... Huh? It never is. It you never know, is. You know. And I think that kind of speaks to the, the nature of the complaints that we're talking about tonight. So th- this may have been a misunderstanding on the part of the reporter writing the Sentinel story, that's, which would not be the first time. Right. Or it may have been a miscommunication on the part of the right. bureaucrat who might have lied or misunderstood themselves and what it, what it all means. But according to the Secretary of State's office uh, a document right on the top of their website about this new law and it may very well be the way they enforce it it is that you uh, you will be they will send you a verification letter so if you show up with no id and you vote they'll you know make a note of who you are and then they'll send you this letter 
Uh, you'll have to sign an affidavit at mm-hmm. the at the polls. They'll then send you this confirmation letter, and that if you don't respond to the letter, then they they say they will investigate. I would bet the the law is that they may investigate. I bet it I, is too. I haven't read that. So My question is: is what if you claim to live uh, in a forest? How are they going to send you a letter? <laughs> I mean, people. Great point. That was the that was the story here. That's what should by, happen. By somebody should show up and claim to be homeless and register to vote that way. And see <laughs> what see what happens. Test that's this thing get out. Them all upset. Well, I think that's important to do. But you know, you'd made the point, Mark, during the break that uh, that's not so bad. You're right; it's not so bad. I don't think that that's too objectionable as far as what the law is. And if it's being misreported to people as though you must have an ID to vote, then it's understandable why people would be upset about it because that's not true. Right. Also from the Sentinel article, elsewhere in the state, Tuesday's dry run had its share of missteps. The Concord Monitor reports that people were wrongly told that they couldn't vote unless they produced ID. Yep. And the League of Women Voters and the New Hampshire Citizens. Alliance They've for sued. Action said misleading information was given throughout the state. Oh, I believe that. Those bureaucrats will lie or they'll just pass on misinformation. They might have been told misinformation and are just passing it on. There because were, when we were to, when we were first talking about this, Mark, you said you got a handout at my at, voting at place. At your voting place. Right. Where it, where I would say the, the, the population of octogenarians far outweighed anybody else in the building. <laughs> so I mean a, a certain level of confusion doesn't surprise me. Well, by the way, you mentioned the uh, League of Women Voters, and they and the ACLU have filed a petition uh, with the Superior Court on behalf of four out-of-state students arguing that the law freezes out eligible voters from participating in the upcoming state and federal elections and asked a judge to block the law's enforcement. So there's already a lawsuit in play here. If they're out-of-state voters, why are they voting here? Maybe they plan on coming back. Maybe For, For students? Yeah, maybe they're just out of state temporarily. Maybe like, you know, during the summertime, sometimes students will leave and they'll go home. Okay, so so if that's their home, why are they not voting there? I'll tell you the reason. Because they went out and hunted them down and said, hey, would you be willing to be part of our lawsuit? Uh, We're the Democrats and we're trying to get after the Republicans. Actually, I talked to some of these folks and they asked me if I would be willing to uh, go and vote without identification. I I affirmed to them that absolutely I will will vote without identification. So let's go to the phones here. They're recruiting people. David is listening in Keene. Well, yeah, it's okay to find people who care about an issue. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hey, you're listening on 94.3 in Keene. What's on your mind? I'm great. Um, I was going to ask Mark, you're... You sounded like you were endorsing IDs of some sort, some kind of identification. I think that there needs to be some way to ensure that people vote once. I'm not exactly certain what that best way is, and I suspect that the people that put together the law aren't exactly certain either. But I think that there needs to be some way. If you're going to make it illegal for people to vote twice, then you need to have some kind of mechanism to catch the people that vote twice. Otherwise, you're just saying, okay, people that are willing to break the law, go ahead and break the law. We don't care. Well, the thing that bothers me is the fact that, and this is what makes me, see, I'm against voter fraud, obviously. Who's for voter fraud? Unless it's equally distributed between (laughs) them. Right. (laughs) Now, now Republicans will claim that only Democrats commit voter fraud, or they commit it to a much larger percentage. And I wouldn't... I don't believe it. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't... There's some scummy people out there on both sides. Politics is a nasty business. I mean, anybody that's run a political campaign, they've had their signs stolen. Then why is it always Uh, the Republicans pushing these kind of uh, systems in order to make it more difficult for people to vote? That's a good question. Let's come back here in a moment maybe they know how to uh, to get around the law there's always a way around uh, david oh we were gonna get he said he had something to say but we're coming up this is free talk live you take it 
On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. You may take control of the airwaves. That's the point of Free Talk Live. That's the show. We're here for you. 855-453. You don't have to necessarily be talking about the issue on the table, which is voter fraud, voter identification requirements. What's happening in your state? Because as I understand it, in other places, things are getting even more difficult uh, to vote. Here in New Hampshire, they did just pass a voter ID law, uh, but you know it's not as... It's not as bad as it could be in that you can still go and vote without an identification, uh, without government ID, and they will just simply verify you by mail later, which, you know, that's that's kind of a – seems like a decent compromise between one point and the other. However, usually politicians don't get to think out real clear about all the ramifications of the laws that they pass. They don't have to. And uh, – well, right, because they're not liable for uh, the damage that the, those laws do. But – they go into things with the best of intentions. I mean, like uh, David Sometimes. Cuomo. I think I think generally politicians believe they have good intentions. Whether or not we agree that they're good is another question. Uh, but in this case, the politicians wanted to uh, create a make it a little more difficult for folks to vote, uh, you know, in a fraudulent manner. Now, this doesn't prevent fraud, and no voter ID laws ever prevent fraud because there's always some sort of way to get around it. There's always some creative. They mechanism. may prevent some fraud. That's right. Uh, But there's always some way to get around it. And uh, so this may prevent some fraud, or it just might make it so that the people who are going to engage in fraud will jump through the extra hoops necessary to to engage in it. For instance, if I wanted to uh, have a group of people who don't live in New Hampshire go to the polls at the next election without identification, I could simply have them register at a location at which I would – uh, you know, be at to receive the voter verification forms that come later you on. You need to do that at several locations, though. If you're just going to ship, you're not going to ship people into New Hampshire for an organized uh, fraud situation for one voting vo- voting situation. What you're going to do is you're going to take them from poll to poll to poll in this bus all day long. And what this would allow is for the supervisor of the checklist to spend more time with these people, thus minimizing the amount of polls they go to. Mm-hmm. If there's a state where this happens, New Hampshire. Hampshire is that state. It is the yeah. first in the nation uh, primary, and that's an important aspect of what goes on here. And I'm okay, but it wouldn't certain. stop a busload of people from going to one poll and voting. So you know there are still ways to engage in fraud. And I just thought of one. There's of all them, kinds okay? of ways to engage in fraud. Absolutely. Right. So uh, anyway, your thoughts are welcome at eight five five four fifty free. David is back because he had a point that he had wanted to make about his thoughts on uh, voter ID requirements. And uh, you dropped off the line before we went to break, David. And I wanted to make sure you, you got your thoughts out. So go ahead. Thanks. Um, I was just going to say it's sort of a partisan issue, as you all touched on, and that it's a partisan issue, I mean, that's an indication of something is amiss. I mean, it's not only Democrats that are, are you know, doing voter fraud. I mean, you know, yep. there's something wrong there. I absolutely agree with you on this issue. So Republicans don't want 
blacks and poor people uh, to vote. And maybe and that the claim is by Democrats that that's the purpose here is to, to get that to happen. Now, I, I've known plenty of black people in my life and somehow or another, most of them had driver's license. I can't think of one who didn't. But, you know, maybe maybe this works. I don't know. I cannot claim to know. But if Democrats don't want more, um, you know, more accountability in the area of voting, what does that say about what they want? I don't know. What does it say? Yeah. Does it say they want voter fraud? What's that? Does it say that they want voter fraud? No. It, uh, I mean, it, of course it doesn't say that. And if it – if I, I don't know. I don't see how – no, it doesn't mean that at all. What what kind of you see this is the thing is I've what I've never heard as a person who's been a Republican my whole life and I'm not saying I'm certainly not the most tried and true Republican out there I think most of the things that Republicans do are disgusting but I I've got to say that I've never heard anybody on the side of the Democrats recommend anything in the area of you know sort of having accountability in in the area of voter fraud and I don't know what that means I don't know why that is do they want the the I mean you know certainly in Chicago a place that's highly democratic and considered to be all about voter fraud that you know I mean <laughs> uh, you've got a situation there where you know Democrats could make different rules or whatever I don't know I mean I don't even know what to think about it David any other thoughts I was just going to say I think both sides do every every shenanigan they can pull out of their hat and they, and they don't draw the line at any shenanigan to win. And, and there's no doubt about that. And I think that there's something to the I think there is something to the theory that Democrats may believe that a, an underprivileged voter, somebody who doesn't have as, you know, much wealth as say a rich Republican might, would be more likely to vote for a Democrat and so therefore they believe that voter ID laws would would disincline those people, uh, give them a disincentive to come and vote in the first place yep. and uh, and that may be true and so that may be one of the reasons why they don't uh, push for those re- uh, registration requirements. David, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. By the way, a little bit more here about the lawsuit. Again, ACLU and League of Women Voters have filed to stop this voting law. They say it's on behalf of uh, some Keene or some uh, Keene State College students, University of New Hampshire and Southern New Hampshire University students who are from out of state. Uh, according to this, in the past, students could make New Hampshire their domicile for voting purposes while maintaining legal residency in other states. Now, while that is still technically true, the law doesn't require them to be residents, it makes them subject to all of the approximately 600 laws that go along with residency. Because the claim here is that uh, you'll have to sign a statement saying that you're declaring New Hampshire your domicile and are subject to the laws that apply to all residents. I didn't see that in what the Secretary of State's document says, and Me I can either. tell you I will cross that out uh, if I, uh, you know, if I'm going to be at the polls, and we'll see what they do then. Because I am not going to, I'm not going to consent to following all of their laws. I, I actually, back when I registered to vote here, when I first moved to New Hampshire, when I registered to vote, there, that statement was on the voter registration form about how you agree that you will follow all the laws of the state of New Hampshire. I took my pen and I crossed that out very clearly, crossed that line out, signed at the bottom, and I was able to register to vote. So clearly, you didn't have to agree with that statement in order to, uh, to get registered to vote. And then curiously... Within the next couple of years, they'd actually removed that statement from the voter registration form. It is no longer on the form. Weird. Yeah. 
I'm reading from the Concord Monitor here further to what you said, Ian. It says, at issue is not a new requirement that voters present a photo ID or sign an affidavit at the polls, which the League and other groups say caused confusion and consternation across the state yesterday. Rather, the group is focusing on Senate Bill 318, which changed the way people register to vote in the state. The League argues it could disenfranchise students and the elderly. Senate Bill 318 requires all residents requiring to vote to acknowledge they are subject to, quote, laws requiring a driver to register a motor vehicle and apply for a New Hampshire driver's license Mm, within 60 60 days days of becoming a resident. And we've run across that several times before. The law, opponents say, is a direct attempt to prevent college students from voting because it uses the words domicile and residence interchangeably, even though the terms have They are different legal meanings. That's right. New Hampshire law requires citizens to register to vote in the town or ward where they are domiciled, and the law specifically says that students may claim domicile and register to vote while they attend school. Sure. They, but they can't vote at home. That's the that's well, the they thing. They can if they get a, um, a, you know, an absentee ballot. Right. But I, I don't believe they can do it twice, vote in the same election twice, for Obama twice or Romney twice. You can, you well, can't. the only election that you would be able to vote for the same person twice um, would be the, you know, the, the, the president, the, the, the okay. general, um, yeah, the president, uh, presidential election. So motor vehicle laws are based on the state's definition of residence, which inqu- requires an intention to stay indefinitely, the mm. opposite of the definition of domicile. That's why students who are domiciled in New Hampshire but do but who intend to leave at a certain time do not have to register their cars. The legislature did not change the definition of domicile when the registration form was changed. So some people, students for instance, are being asked to sign a statement that is incorrect and misleading about their responsibilities. The Claire Ebel from the New Hampshire Civil Liberties Union compared the new law to an unconstitutional poll tax, saying it would discriminate against students who couldn't afford to register their cars and pay driver's license fees in that they already have their license from Connecticut or wherever it is they're from when they're going to school up here, and now they're going to be under this belief that they're going to have to go and shell out hundreds of dollars to vote. This voting thing is really complicated. I say we get rid of it. 855-450-FREE. I say we get rid of the uh, the state and then we'll have that problem solved. 1-855-450-3733. I say this sounds like they've got a good case and it'll be interesting to yeah, see how the, the Supreme yeah. Court uh, responds to it. 1-855-450-FREE. Your thoughts are certainly welcome in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live, which are coming up. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain, but enough time for your call. If you're on the line right now, we will do our best to get you in here. And if you don't get in tonight, you can always call in uh, tomorrow because we do it seven nights a week here at 855-450-FREE. With you tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. All right, we continue here and also want to tell you about the Freedom Cam. Yep, the Freedom Cam is a camera that is in your car. And it's working whenever you turn the key into the, what position? What's it called? Uh, whenever you power the car up, but it depends on how your car is wired, so it may be different. Your mileage may vary. Okay. Well, in my car, when I turn on the key, turn the car on, 
the camera comes on yes. and it's got so it works for me too. eight hours of video. It's a video recording out of the front and the back. It's also audio recording. It has my GPS on there. It has all these things. It doesn't broadcast. This is just information that I can have on an SD card for when I need it. And you never know when you need it. This is insurance against some situation, whether that situation is an automobile accident or a pullover, whatever it might be. If the person uh, with whom you may have a dispute remembers the story differently than what you remember, it's nice to have video and you know GPS and all these things to back you up. And that's what the Freedom Cam will get you at freedomcam.net. It's on sale right now. So you can go get one. I don't know how long this sale is going to last. They uh, they do take Bitcoins. If you're interested in using Bitcoins, it's freedomcam.net. All right, let's go to the phones, do the fun. Talk to John, listening in Carson City, Nevada. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nemi, and Mark. Uh, hi, I, I have a different take on uh, the voting fraud. It seems to me that when you have a process that's fundamentally illegitimate in the first place, like voting, it's not really coherent to talk about uh, to talk about fraud, uh, Mark in the past has defended, you know, saying voting is moral if you do it defensively. Well, it'd be moral if you did it fifty times defensively. Mm, let me good think point. About that I agree. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I, so if it was, so if it's moral to do it defensively, then it's moral to do it uh, to cheat in the rules of the game in order to do it defensively. Well, it's not cheating if the game is not fair in the, the first ga- The game's rigged. You're right. That so is a persuasive so point. Yeah. I've got the, <laughs> I'd like to say this doesn't happen very often, but it feels like I've been kicked in the gut. I'm, I'm so, <laughs> so winded. If there's a referendum, say, against drug prohibition, you wouldn't be harming anyone by voting for it 50,000 times. This is an excellent point, sir, and I, uh, I appreciate you making that tonight. Anything else you want to say? Oh, no, that's it. Thanks. John, solid. Nice. Very well, uh, well Very well put. 855-450-FREE. Yeah. CAI toll-free line. Uh, we've got Varia in California listening on XM to America's Talk. Hey, Varia. you got to turn down your radio and listen to us on the phone or else you will never know that we're talking to you, especially if you're listening to XM because you're listening to something that is two hours delayed. Varia, are you with us? <laughs> Varia, going okay. once. Hello. I hear someone Hello. in the background. You're on the air. Yes, hi. I'm Aurelia out of uh, Bakersfield, California. Aurelia, sorry like about that. Hi. You are on. Go yeah, ahead. I just had I had a question. What would happen if drugs became legalized? Oh boy, that's a big question. Um, so the answer. You know, I mean, the answer is if drugs were legal or de- sorry, go ahead. It's happening anyway, apparently. You know, people that want to use drugs are still continuing to use drugs. Absolutely. And innocent people are getting killed. You know, a lot of money is being wasted, and these drug lords are getting power, more powerful by the day. Here's what I'd you recommend. Know, tax the hell out of it. Well, I don't agree with taxing uh, anything, but uh, I think that if you did uh, legalize it and tax it or just decriminalize it and let the market decide what the prices should be, either way, if you end the war on drugs, there are several things that will occur. One, uh, people will likely in the future not use those drugs as often. If you look at studies out of uh, the Netherlands, for instance, they found that teenagers are using marijuana less uh, since that marijuana was legalized for the people that live in uh, the Netherlands. Now, there's a a brief spike is what they found. So like once the drug is legalized, there's a brief spike in usage, but then it goes downwards. 
uh, afterwards, uh, the usage rates. So people will likely use the drugs less often. The drugs themselves will become better of quality. Uh, You will actually be able to buy what you intend to buy, whereas in the black market, there are all kinds of unscrupulous dealers who will sell you products that they claim are one thing but are actually another, and that actually puts people in danger because then they're taking drugs that they're not expecting, and that can result in some really unfortunate things happening. So it's like when you go to Walgreens or your local convenience store and you buy aspirin off the shelf, there's never any question as to whether or not when you open that bottle if it's actually going to be aspirin in there. It's always aspirin every single time. They've got that little seal on the top, so well, you except, know. Well, they have this right. little seal on the top because in the 80s, some crazy person put poison in the, in the Tylenol. But, you know, there have been some bumps along the road, but for <laughs> the most part. bumps along yeah. the way. For the most part, <laughs> oh uh, aspirin is aspirin. You know, I, because, I mean, and I don't understand, you know, the way our country is, you know, they, like you said, yeah, you legalize it, and now people are really not going to be drawn to do, you know, what's legal now, because I don't know why it's in their nature to just, you know... It's called the forbidden fruit aspect, and it absolutely is in uh, some people's nature. Yeah. I don't know if it's everybody, but there's yeah. enough people, and I'm one of them. Uh, but uh, so, but and, that's I not mean, to say people would stop. Regardless, uh, absolutely, it is being done, but it's it's being done in a more dangerous fashion because you've got all yes. the killings that are going around on the distribution the end of it. Around, you you know, don't have I mean, uh, you know Bayer is not in a wars, you know against each other. Okay, that'd be eliminated. Yeah, and and so if you, you look know. at the legal marketplace, Bayer, uh, the aspirin company, is not fighting it out with you know Target Corporation. It has their own brand name of aspirin. They're not having gunfights uh, in the streets over this. So when you legalize something, it takes the violence away because it's no longer in the black market, and that also means that drug users will not pay as much for their drugs. So therefore, they'll be able to better afford their drug habits uh, for those that aren't going to quit, for those that still want to do those. They drugs. can work a job and not rob yeah. people. They won't have to break into your house or break into your car or hold you up at knife point uh, in order to rob you for the the money that they need for their drugs. So the drug users will That's be safer. Absolutely true. Yep. So the and drug. I don't. I just don't understand the big, you know, fight against uh, the big war against drugs when it's very simple. Well, know, just legalize it. It's ridiculous. The war on drugs is hurting so many more people than the drug addictions themselves, and I don't understand it either. Except when money, you look money, at it from money. the perspective, uh, right, from the perspective of that the government is getting all kinds of money from uh, the war on drugs. These police departments are addicted to the cash. They're addicted to the forfeitures when they pull somebody over. In a lot of oh, states, they can, okay, I got it now. Yeah, they can take their car. I've seen it that way. Yeah, the cops can take your car, they can take your house from you, and then they love to gloat about how much money they've uh, seized, and they drive around the old drug dealers' cars, and you know they they brag. And additionally, if we if we decriminalize it, lots of people. What is it? Eighty percent of folks are in in jail because of the drug war. Yeah, you'd be able to turn those people out, right? Put them out. You're not paying for those jails. You're not paying for those people to be supported anymore. Right, so there's and there's they can something then go else. Get real work real and work. actually com- uh, right. contribute to the economy and make all of our lives better. So there's, uh, but I don't know. There's probably uh, five or ten different good things that'll happen if you legalize drugs. Did that answer your question? Yes, it did. Yeah, you did. I like I said, I totally wasn't seeing the part. You know, the seizure part. 
I it just slipped my mind. But yeah, there's a lot of money to be made there. Hey, here's what I'd recommend for you. Uh, if you visit uh-huh. Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, they've got a lot of interesting information and statistics. Uh, their website is leap.cc. Now, these are former cops who have now, after they've retired, come out against the war on drugs. So they're actually telling the truth about uh, drugs and drug use and drug addiction. And uh, I think yeah. they do a really good work. So I'd like to recommend their site for you. It's L-E-A-P, okay. as in Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, .cc. And thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Uh, thank you. Let's go to Chris, listening in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Chris. Hey guys, how you doing tonight? Hey, what's on your mind? I know we only got a few minutes here. Just want to give you a quick update. Uh, back in July, there was a man, a, ho- a homeless man with some mental conditions in Saginaw, Michigan, that got shot in front of a pizza joint uh, 46 times by six officers uh, for wielding a plastic knife. Whoa! And it started because he had spit on a convenience store worker and left, and this cop stopped him after he called the cops and uh, escalated from there. Well, it was just announced this afternoon, the prosecutor in Saginaw County said, uh, that he can't find the six officers chargeable. The evidence isn't strong enough. There's a video. If you go to the, prep, the show prep, you'll see the link I posted. Yeah, video. yep, I've Three seen guys. that. Over at freetalklive.com? That's right. Okay. Yeah, over at freetalklive.com. What is the video about? Well, the video shows, it's pretty graphic. It actually shows him getting shot. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so that's on there. And the prosecutor, like I said, they announced that the cops will not be charged, and there's expected rioting in Saginaw County tonight because wow. of this. Uh, I just heard word. Uh, I can't think of where to saw it at, but supposedly L Sharpen's heading this way right now. So is the uh, is the man black and the cops white? Or yes, a- yeah. Yep. And and if I'm understanding correctly, the person who was shot, his mother is an activist criticizing the police department. Oh, correct? Boy. Oh man. Yeah, she's uh, the article I posted also had uh, a whole bunch of comments from her posted. Chris, so thank you article. for the call. Thanks for the heads up on that story. It sounds horrifying, and it's linked over at freetalklive.com sure right is. now. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. It's Change Your Words, Change Your Life. A daily minute program to help you understand the power of every word you speak. Here's New York Times bestselling author, Joyce Meyer. Where the mind goes, the man follows. Or we can also say where the mind goes, the mouth follows. If we think something long enough, we will end up saying it. And if we say something long enough, we will think it. That's why I teach people to think and say things on purpose. We need to be in agreement with God. I want to encourage you to start having think sessions. Times when you think things on purpose that agree with God's Word. And you can also think about, are you wasting your time saying a lot of things that don't agree with God? And if so, eliminate those. Have confession sessions. Times when you confess the Word of God out loud. The more you do, the more you'll believe it. For Change Your Words, Change Your Life, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information and insight on how you can change your words and change your life, please visit Joyce Meyer, spelled M-E-Y-E-R, dot O-R-G. The words we speak can affect our lives in positive and negative ways. In her new book, Change Your Words, Change Your Life, best-selling author and internationally acclaimed teacher Joyce Meyer examines the power of words that convey our thoughts and emotions. She discusses how our words can increase or decrease our level of joy and how they can have a positive or negative effect on our future. Change Your Words, Change Your Life, the latest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold.